once again, everybody's gathered around the hot fires and flames of the internet on Twitch and on YouTube and around the world as we delve into the stop-motion animation extravaganza of Laika on... Hey, did you see this one? In a world where creativity is buried and dead, a mysterious movie studio lies in waiting, tinkering away with the tools used for captivating audiences, with heartwarming stories crafted through the exquisite art of stop-frame animation. It's time to take your first steps, or perhaps revisit them, on a whimsical journey where the magic of this unique technique unfolds, immersing you in a world of wonder and enchantment and shadow. But amidst the captivating visuals, when the world seems dark and life feels like a heavy raincoat, Hey, Did You See This One? reminds you to slow down and take things frame by frame. Gather round, freaks, and welcome to... Hey, did you see this one? It is a new month. That means it is a new theme. We are here talking about the stop-motion studio Laika for Frame by Frame. Hey, did you like uh, this one? At the end of every episode, I'm going to ask the 
question. Did you like this one? I'm throwing that at you guys now. I didn't premeditate this at all. I just popped into my head as I looked at the sign that I made behind me. Um, hello and welcome. This is episode 122 of the hit podcast. Hated to see this one. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. This has been our show. We'll see you next time. <laughs> it's just funny to me that the, our, our intros seem to be getting longer and longer, but the Steve put so much dang work into them that they're just fan. Oh, that one's maybe a little bit too long. It's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm like, I got it a little crazy with the. <laughs> With the music. I'm like, I don't want to cut it off. I like the music too much. Well, you managed to make it the beginning and the end have the same like little musical beat. So it works out really well. Um, If you've noticed, uh, we do have a guest as always. Uh, Tim Covey is back. Uh, Everybody, Tim Covey is back. Welcome back, Tim. This is your... Get this. You've been on this show. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You've been on this show six times. Oh my God! It's is it actually six? It's six because I yeah checked, I I wrote because I'm trying to because there's like the five times club that I'm trying to keep track of for people that <laughs> I want to change their picture, but I changed your picture after the new year. Anyway, welcome back to the show for the sixth time. You're gonna be here for a seventh you. time in April. It's you know what I mean. It's it's big yeah. big stuff. It's big business. So thank you for being back. Um, before we get into the show, we play a little game on social media Mondays and Tuesdays where I put up a piece of the poster and I have people guess this week. People got it. People love the movie that we're talking about tonight. Paranorman. We're talking about Paranorman by Leica Studios. We'll get into the director and all that in just a minute. But this is fan guessing game. Congratulations. You have successfully guessed the correct answer. Which is the answer you provided. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, fantastic. So, yeah, we did have quite a few this week. Um, I've, I've tried to basically just, like, cut it off after a certain point. But I did, I did have a special one from Matt Philp that I'll say in a second. He didn't get it, but he had a funny, <laughs> funny answer based on the picture that I put up. Uh, first and foremost is an easy one from TikTok. I wasn't able to connect with this person to get a message from them, but their name is Miguel at VSP6RKER. Uh, VS Porker? I don't know if that means something bad. I don't know. Figure it out. Um, also, uh, Brendan Caulfield, a uh, person who's gotten it right before, he just wanted to say keep it weird. Um, future guest B. Dolly, who's going to be on for our horror month next month. Uh, the Grimoire Five. Uh, wanted to. S- I said, "What's your message?" And she said, "Haha, don't need one. The satisfaction of being right about something pop culture is all the reward I need." So, gotcha. Um, friend of mine and uh, my cousin's girlfriend. Although I don't want her to just be known as that. Uh, Mia. <laughs> That's a weird way to. Um, she said, "Yes, if you want to plug my art insta at uh, Killakud." K-I-L-O-Q-O-E-J-K. Go over there and follow her art page. She's very talented. That would be sweet. My message is just a big uh, Tramana. Because uh, when I was there in the summer, we were riffing on the, how The Rock says, Tramana! <laughs> so shout out to The Rock, also fan, friend of the show, fan of the show, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. 
Uh, Noel got it again. Check out Showgirls episode with your old pal Noel and Stick Taps and Stitches, a po- hockey podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Stephen helped us out with some rad sound bites. He is so talented. And also, Jason's a real beaut. And then another person who got it before, Lauren Caborn, uh, he wanted to say, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. And wanted to plug the Fumble podcast. It's a D&D podcast based in Halifax, I presume, uh, with industry folk in the, uh, the food service industry. So check that out. You can find it at facebook.com slash WTFumblePod. WTF Pod. WT Fumble Pod. And finally, a new person uh, from the Facebook group, Nathan Sprague. Uh, he said, hey, did you see this one? If people are in need of silk screen printing, stickers, and more keep, Industry Horror, also known as Autism Works Print Shop in mind, um, you would help keep employment of autistic adults. And if you're a fan of horror movies, as with Paranorman, uh, gives homage to then give the ho- industry horror coffin cast a listen thank you now let's open the coffin to start the show so that's fun uh yeah definitely go check out the uh, autism works print shop for sure i'm sure you can google that or check it out on facebook thank you nathan thank you for everybody who got it this week uh i really do appreciate everybody who interacts with our show um which of course leads me to my call to action we are now uh, all caught up on social media. You can find us pretty much everywhere at Hey Did You See This One. Go like our video, subscribe, follow us, hit the notification bell, dropkick the notification bell, in fact. Um, you, we All of our episodes are in audio format across uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on Twitch. There's a lot of video on YouTube. All of our episodes are there on YouTube. You can go right back to the shitty first episode where it's just me and the old co-host, Kalen doing an Instagram live. Uh, and if you fast forward to now, 120 episodes later, you can see uh, how much we've grown as 120 years later, 120 years later. That was like, <laughs> this is going to be year four in October. So wow. that is that. Thank you for everybody who listens. Shout out again to white bat audio who, who didn't do the theme music this week, but I always use his stuff in the opening. Um, and with that, I believe we can move on to, our brief history. A brief oh. history! This is, of course, the segment of the show where we talk about our brief history with the movie we're talking about. Um, it's going to be pretty brief for me. However, around here, it's a time-honored tradition to give our guests the first opportunity to give their brief history. And, of course, Tim, you've been here six times. I don't have to explain anymore. Why don't you give us your brief history with the film Paranorman? I know the ropes by now, but uh, my brief history with this is actually, um, I I thought it was brief, but it turned out to be longer than I thought because I saw this before during my pre-CPAP life when uh, apnea was killing me one snore at a time and I apparently fell asleep for it and, and just lost complete memory of it. So even though I technically had seen it before, I managed to kind of relive it again uh, mm-hmm. uh, this week, and um, and I, I was regretted that I didn't remember it because it is a fantastic movie. I love this stuff. I uh, love it to death. Uh, so it, it was it was great to jump back into it again and 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 watch it in this state of mind. Now that I am in the CPAP era, where I'm awake in life, 
uh, I to, to watch it and really appreciate the detail and hard work. Uh, it was it was actually a, a huge joy, and that's my brief history. <laughs> that's great. I'm in that CPAP life too. I'm a big big old boy. Uh, snoring is murdering me, and it's funny. Oh. I went to the sleep doctor, and he was like, "Oh, I can see all your your results here from your CPAP machine. I noticed you don't use it on the weekends." I'm like, "Yeah, I hate using it. So on the weekend, I take a break." And he's like, "That's not how that works. You have to keep using <laughs> yeah. it, or or you're you're burning the candle at both ends." At any mm-hmm. rate, let's not yeah. be so dark. I was, I, I, yeah. No, no, I'm happy to I be take, happy. Take to be happy. It's like taking heart medication <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I don't like taking it. I'm not, I don't take it on the weekend. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's his reaction. But uh, thank you, Tim. Uh, Steve, why don't you give us your brief history for the film? Pan well, Man. I don't use a breathing apparatus when I sleep, but I did see this movie in theaters. And I remembered so much of it because I loved it so much. I saw it on a date and it was it was great because we both thought everything was funny at the same time. And it made me feel really good about the date. Um, And then I dated that person for seven years. So it it was kind of true, I guess. Um, But yeah, it's it was amazing. I hadn't seen anything stop frame in so long. And I was, I think, the only person on the planet of my age bracket who was excited for this movie. <laughs> I just try to get a ton of people to see it. Nobody wanted to see it. Uh, so I forced somebody to come watch it with me. And uh, I'm glad we did because there's uh, a lot to love about this movie. And uh, we'll talk about it when we get into the body. But body of the episode. I think that this movie is is perfect for anybody who ever has felt weird or estranged or uh, outcast in their life. Yeah, so. I have a, I have a yeah. lot to say about and a pretty strong connection elements. for me, at least. Um, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Steve. Uh, also, new first-time chatter, uh, Kitty K T T V. Thank you for joining us. I, I checked out her stream, uh, her page earlier today, and it's it's good shit. So, check them out Hi. as well. Um, for my brief history, uh, I had heard of this movie. I've never, I had never seen it until uh, like yesterday and today. And it's funny because when you were like, we're going to do Laika movies, you put a typo in the spreadsheet. And I thought that we were doing a movie called Panor Man. And I, the whole time, I never looked it up. And I was no, like, I did that on purpose because I wanted to fuck with you. <laughs> what's this, what's this Panor, Panor yeah. Man? That sounds like one of those like weird sort of like Japanese action hero movies exactly. from like the late 60s, like a black and white superhero movie from the 60s or something. I thought it was going to be like an Ultraman <laughs> thing, which is interesting because Kubo and the Two Strings is like a cool like, uh, is it Japanese? Yeah, it's it's got yes. um, it's got a lot of like folklore stuff, but it's also got a lot of originality to it as well. It's so I probably of... saw that and just got my wires crossed. Anyway, like, do they only make Japanese folklore? This Leica Studio, I guess Leica also kind of sounds like it could be a Japanese animation studio. True, but you showed me <laughs> you showed me the opening sequence for Missing Link one night when I was at your place. So. I, yeah, I was... that was how I convinced you to do this month. <laughs> I was like, look, 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 it's got the Loch Ness Monster in it, man. And a Bigfoot. Um, great. So that's our brief history. Um, moving on now, I didn't have any, I didn't get a chance to look up the director, but I'll have you guys uh, fill me in. Here's director talk. All right, all right. Quiet on set. Are we rolling? Okay, let's shoot this piece of shit. <clears throat> Sound. Speed. 
Action! This is, of course, director talk. Uh, the sound I keep in because I like the sound, the sting. But we've gotten some good use out of it. The, uh, last month, we talked about John Carpenter all month, and we, the, the well kind of ran dry for this actual segment. But I believe that all these movies have different directors. But that said, if you guys want to sort of do a little rundown of the Leica Studio um, situation this would be the time for that as well. So uh, yeah, that that's that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we've talked about this briefly many, many episodes ago. I think Tim, when you were on your first time on, I think we talked about like a quit a bit because yeah. a lot of the alumni from that are the reason that like exists today. Um, yeah. Yeah, even from Coraline, the, uh, the Mark Twain era. Yeah, yeah, even Coraline, the uh, sort of the bread and butter of like a uh, directed mm-hmm. by um, Selleck, um, who is you know the the director of the Nightmare Before Christmas, and he worked on the Mark the Adventures of Mark Twain. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that's the only thing he's done for Leica. But at the same time, Leica's uh, library is so tiny still. They do a lot of outsourcing for things. Like they'll they'll make yeah, animation exactly. for other stuff, but when it comes to their features, yeah. I believe it's just the five that they have. And there's one mm-hmm. slated to come out next year in 2025, but uh, I don't really know anything about it other than the title, um, which I've forgotten already. Well, <laughs> I uh, Wild, Wildwood. Wildwood, yeah. right? It kind of sounds like mm-hmm. it could be a western. Um, if you yeah. have seen the Missing Link, which we'll talk about um, at some point this month, it does have a lot of Western elements to it. So I think that maybe they kind of got the bug while they were making that. And they're like, let's make a pure Western. But we'll see. Um, that's just mm-hmm. my prediction. But uh, they always kind of deal with fantasy, right? That's their their forte. It's a very fanciful animation style. It's very storybook-like. It's almost like children's drawings brought to life which was, you know, Tim Tim Burton kind of influenced uh, the style of of The Nightmare Before Christmas. And then that style just sort of bled into everything stop frame, even to this day when you look at stuff. It it, it always is compared to that. I guess that's sort of like the gold standard when it comes to uh, stop frame animation. Um, And it's it's an interesting style and I like it, but I also, if you look from movie to movie, they don't look exactly the same. There's always a very distinctive style. If you were to walk down, you know, the children's book aisle of a bookstore and look at the different illustrations, it's reminiscent to that where everything is very otherworldly, but different and have their own identity. The same can be said for each of these movies. Um, Travis Knight, the, the CEO of like a, such a strange story. I, I don't can't remember if we talked about this too much. Um, a little bit, yeah. Like, but it's it's very very unique. Where it's like, well, it, it was the son of the owner of Nike, who yes. is kind of show running a lot of that. But it, it, like, it it almost sounds like the kiss of death at first. But sometimes uh, these things end up kind of breathing life into it but like at least there's you know some blood running through the veins of this in the form of money uh because these projects uh when it comes to theatrical release like and you go back to what we originally talked about adventures of mark twain but all sorts of stop animation clay animation and, and all that stuff within that vein and and uh, and that style 
it's it's hard for them to make a return money because as you're saying before that like you were kind of the only person amongst your age and peer group more or less excited to go and see it and you had to kind of encourage other people to see it with you it's it's they, they kind of encounter this issue where like night before christmas is almost an outlier because it almost had the big tim burton name on it to ferry it into everyone's attention yeah whereas this other stuff like like yeah like you think about the commercial success of Coraline, like you know if it wasn't for having like neil gaiman's name kind of attached to it would have would have been as well received so they also uh, so they yeah also, to have someone sorry i was gonna say they also no, for Coraline, they approached uh Selleck and was like is it okay if we put tim burton's name on this just to give it that extra kick and Selleck was like, yeah. you can ask Tim Burton, which <laughs> I, I'm okay with that, but like, I don't know if he'll be okay with that. And I guess yeah. they didn't do it, but yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So, and, and and I think to, to the credit to have their own little independent thing now, now it's like a studios and doing their own projects, but like, yeah, this movie in particular was three years in the making. So like to get the stuff off the ground and into the theaters to make, right. And they don't yeah. do a ton of marketing, but they do do marketing. I remember there was quite a bit of marketing for The Missing Link, but it didn't do well. It, it's I think it's commercially it's the, the worst of all of them, but it did come out sort of in that era right mm -hmm. before COVID. And it just was mm -hmm. a bad time. <laughs> and also a lot of people don't even realize that they are stop frame animation movies. Uh, yeah. I, showed, I showed that video to a couple of people that I edited for the show today uh, throughout the week. And they were like, well, why are you doing these movies? They're not stop frame. And I'm like, they, uh, yes, <laughs> they are. Yeah, <laughs> they 100% are. Yeah. It's just that the the style has evolved so much from Rudolph yeah. the Red-Nosed Reindeer that people sometimes can't tell that it's, uh, it it's, it's, too, that, it's almost like, too smooth. You yeah, know? it looks like CGI. And that, yeah. that's the thing that people can't really wrap their head around. But like, it's it's all practical, right? Except for sometimes when they touch things up like the thing in your yeah. the thing in your picture when she's glitching out like that's probably cg what's up churro smash welcome you'd um, be surprised though at how much isn't like if yeah. you watch the making of you would think certain things are cgi and then you watch it and you're like yeah. oh no that's not <laughs> it's actually the lighting is all practical the effects are you know when she's glitching around they have these stretched pieces of of fabric and plastic oh, okay. that then a globule yeah. is attached to and it, it's it's stop frame and you you think that it isn't you think that they're like cheating but they're not <laughs> they're doing it all in camera yeah. and it's crazy that's crazy because the sky yeah. i the sky and, was especially impressive to me that was one of my favorite parts of the movie when the the witch's face is in the sky mm -hmm. and i mean you could just you could just in 2012 the cgi was good enough to just make this as cgi you know and it, it's so refreshing to know that they this movie was had the love and the care put into it to make it this this special thing, and I think that's going to be sort of the running uh, theme for all of these movies. Like th this movie particularly, like we're going to get into it when we talk about the body, but it has so many weird little twists and subversion of expectations and all this stuff that. If this movie was just made and shit out by the the CGI machine, they wouldn't have to do all these mm -hmm. little extra things. It's almost like they they input these little beats and these little fun moments as they're making it because they fully have the ability to do that. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. 
they're because it's such a, a long process, they will work on, you know, 24 frames over the course of two days. You know, sometimes they'll only get 12 frames done in a day, um, which is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's oh, they work on maybe 20 seconds of of a movie each day. And it, so that's why it takes so long. Um, but if, even if you just watch one making of for any of these movies, the process is more or less the same, but you can see just how long it takes. And you would think it would drive mm -hmm. people crazy. But if you listen to interviews or read interviews with a lot of the animators, they're like, no, it actually is weirdly therapeutic. You get so focused that you forget about everything else that exists in I, your I, life because you're just trying to get an arm to move I was, correctly. I was doing a little bit of stop motion with a couple friends one time many years ago. Like we were just doing a little Star Wars thing on a green screen. Mm -hmm. And I remember it being like, it's fun because you're kind of just playing with action figures, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to say that the director for this specifically is uh, Sam Fell. I don't know. Sorry if I missed you guys say that. Um, Co-directed and written by uh, Chris Butler. Uh, they've mm -hmm. both worked on a bunch of stuff. Uh, Chris Butler is more of a writer, it seems like, where Sam Fell has done... Um, he, he directed a bunch of shorts. He did a movie called The, the Tale of Despero. Uh, a movie Sorry, called... Matthew Broderick. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. a Chicken Run sequel, it looks like too, from last year called yeah. Dawn of the Nugget. Yeah. <laughs> and a sequel Chick that came out like twenty years after the original. It's crazy. Chicken Run has yeah. that um, has that Walsh and Gromit style to it. Is it done? Is that done by the same people as Walsh and Gromit? Uh, no, it... but I'm sure there is some cross pollination when it comes to animators. Um, because it, it is the it is stop frame, but it's a different type of stop frame. So okay. this is puppets, right? Um, they're all carved puppets and articulated puppets that you have faces you swap out for, mouths you swap out for. Whereas yeah. Wallace and Gromit is claymation, so it, you you manipulate the, the clay and sculpt the clay to to do what you want. But oh, I don't know if that's evolved past clay, but if you watch the Wallace and Gromit from the '90s, it's very clearly clay yeah. like you can see like <laughs> yeah. fingerprints and stuff on the guy's faces to, I, read um, a, I read an article that was like that clay that specific clay they use is like running out like worldwide so walls and yeah. days moon clay running. they have to go back to the moon to get it <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just got another first time yeah. chatter here um Yes, I am Gregor, and also Churro Smash, uh, people that I was talking to earlier today, so thank you for coming in. Um, do you guys have anything additional to add about the director? It's going to be another month where we're probably retreading this. Um, I mean, I've seen some of the other work, but none of it is really as great as this. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of one of those points where I'm like, yeah, Flushed Away was a movie that came out and I definitely saw, but I have absolutely no memory of what it's about. I think it's like the world cup is happening or something. And like, there's a city of rats in the sewer. And <laughs> yeah. The plan is to get everybody to flush their toilets at the same time during oh, the world cup to like destroy a city. I think, but I can't remember if that's correct or not. <laughs> I will say that this is Sam Fell's top like star rating on IMDb. He, he did do a television show that looks fully animated called Rex the runt, which has no, that's also stop motion. But that has a slightly higher rating, but that's a TV show, so like a lot of people would have worked on it. But this is like kind of the the gem in his yeah. In his, I, uh, yeah. Fl Flushed Away, I believe, was like a Wallace and Gromit style, but I don't know if it was CGI just done in the style of Wallace and Gromit because there is a particular sort of look 
to the Wallace and Gromit puppets. Like they have the large mouths and sort of like the weird. It's very rounded. Yeah, yeah. it's like Chicken Run, Wallace and Gromit, and Flushed Away all have the same visual style. It's like Futurama yeah. in, in The Simpsons, I guess. Yeah. Is what you okay. could compare it to. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you guys want to? Do you guys want to investigate a a body? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm gonna the say. Bo- the body of your uncle? <laughs> yeah. There is the body of my uncle. <laughs> Everybody back up because here comes the Jason's body uncle. Episode. I do have a dead uncle. Um, sorry. <laughs> I've had three sips of beer for the first time in 32 days, and I'm telling you, it's working. This is, of course, the body of the episode. This is the uh, quote-unquote podcast moment, the podcast point, where we're going to run down the movie. I've written out basically what happens in the movie. I'm going to say some parts of the movie, and then we're going to have a conversation. So starting right off, uh, they kind of, like I was saying in the intro bit, they immediately subvert our expectations by putting up feature film and then showing some moments from a like a Frankenstein zombie sort of movie. The thing that stuck out. Yeah. From yeah this, it's like a return of the living dead or, you know, the very stereotypical or... kind of zombie movie that yeah. you find in the seventies. Exactly what I want to say the the, the woman screaming in this part is like, so over the top. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they've, they've made it to be like a specifically like a shitty movie from the seventies where the actors hearts aren't, Really, it like isn't there a microphone comes down at one point? There's a boom mic moment, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Norman is talking to uh his grandmother who's like, What's happening on the TV? Yeah, and, and it's all like it's shot in four by three, so you're kind of like, What's going on here? And then it, you know, yeah. once it cuts to Norman, the quality is just like vastly different. Where you're like, Oh, I almost feel like it would have been interesting if they went full Rudolph animation, like just like really <laughs> shitty. Like he's watching a movie in the world of an animation movie. What if the animation is shittier than the that animation that we're watching kind of thing? Because they're, they're yeah. employing a, a, a something like that in the new, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for the new Death Stranding game, but the Norman Reedus character has this like little puppet that he has with them now that is wisecracking, obviously. But it's it's frame rate is lower. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, the frame rate of my point is the frame rate of the doll is much lower than the rest of the game, so it stands right. out in that in a similar way to what you're describing, which I think would be really interesting. Well, they did something in uh, Into the Spider Verse, which is pretty cool, where they the yes. Anarchy Spider Man they animated him on a different um, frame rate than everybody else because even even in the world of animation he's breaking the rules kind of thing right so it's like yeah. the way that they animate that movie they animate every second frame so it's kind of has that choppiness but then for that specific character they animated on every third frame I, th- I think but then sometimes they would go to fourth frame or back to second and they would just kind of like so watching that character is specifically jarring because you're like ugh. Anarchy Spider-Man. He doesn't follow any rules, not even the rules of animation. <laughs> We're also this ain't your daddy Spider-Man. <laughs> We're also introduced. My dad actually likes those movies, and uh, he's the biggest Spider-Man fan I know. Um, we're introduced to kind of the family at this point. We got uh, the dad, who is Jeff Garland, uh, the mom, who is Leslie Mann, and the sister, who is Anna Kendrick. Uh, they kind of give him shit for being a loner a little bit here. And then we get the reveal. They're like, what are you talking to ghosts again? 
kind of thing because he's like how many times do we have to tell you norman your grandma's dead <laughs> you're like oh my god and right before yeah and then right before the like title the title comes up we get the effect for what the ghosts look like for norman i wish they would have done this a little bit more we get a really like soon uh, yeah. soon after this we get an extended shot of like how he sees all the different ghosts but i it's wish good, yeah. but i they kind of focus on the zombie element of it for the second half of the movie so I really liked the way that the ghosts, the ethereal green, like almost ghostbusteriness of the ghosts looked cool. Yeah. Um, Um, I think that it's also, you know, for anybody familiar with Star Wars, you're like, oh, this is kind of like how Star Wars opens, where (laughs) he's like, you better not be talking to his, his weird, estranged uncle. His uncle who lives on the hill is a hermit. You're like, okay, so this is like an Obi-Wan situation. Got it, got it. Mm -hmm. Except for much more endearing in the end, I would say. A little bit, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, His parents don't get horribly murdered and burned by stormtroopers. True. But the the dad (laughs) mentions... And he doesn't kiss his sister. (laughs) In this one, anyway. Maybe there's a cut where they don't know their brother and sister. Um, The dad uh, (laughs) thinks the uncle's responsible for all this nonsense. And we just cut to the the uncle uh, taking pills and rummaging around his creepy old house. And it's like it's one of the great things about these movies is they always everything is very deliberate. Right. And so like because it takes so long to film and they can't change things once they've shot things, they have to really plan everything out super specifically and well ahead of time. So a movie this movie like this doesn't just cut. At a, at a time when they're like, oh, that doesn't work. Let's cut to this instead. It's like, no, they've deliberately planned everything out. So you, you get yeah. those nice transitions of somebody saying something and then cutting directly to another person referencing the, the thing that that person just said. Um, yeah. Where he's like, he better not be talking to his uncle. I don't, I doubt his uncle even knows who he is. And then we cut to his uncle holding a picture of him. <laughs> you know, like, okay, okay. <laughs> it zooms out and it's got, he's got the like, all the pictures and the tacks with the, yeah. with the, with the string attaching all of them together. Like you see in a, in a police station or and he's just mumbling and grumbling him to himself in that wonderful deep ass um john goodman, john voice. goodman, john goodman. voice fred flintstone voice yeah and uh yeah jeff garland at first <laughs> uh he his voice at the beginning of the movie sounded a little pitched up or something i was like is that seth rogan he didn't say enough lines yet i mean and then, they sound the same yeah <laughs> but then minutes like a minute later i was like oh that's jeff garland obviously but john goodman i was like yep you can't yeah. you know you know john goodman's talking when he's talking mm-hmm. as i said um norman there's a montage of norman getting ready then he heads to school and all, along the way he sees a bunch of different different style ghosts there's like a hippie and a greaser and a pair a parachute person in the in a, a tree, mafia man a he's mafia like, hey how you guy. doing he's like hey how with, you his, doing? With, his, <laughs> <laughs> with his feet in the, the uh, cement shoes and the yeah. and the fish swimming around him yeah it I also like been... the grease area. <laughs> Yo, Norman, what are you playing? Hooky over here? <laughs> hey. uh, like, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me that Norman is like so afraid later. Like he, he becomes the hero pretty quick, but it's like he's been seeing ghosts, I assume, his whole life. So like I if I was just seeing ghosts all the time and it was just like acclimated to it, I don't know if a lot would scare me. I guess if the dead started to rise. Yeah, but I think he mm-hmm. also because he's he knows so much about ghosts. He knows that ghosts can't actually hurt you. So he's not scared of ghosts, but a zombie, a zombie, they can eat your brain. Yeah. 
It's true. <laughs> this also has. That, yeah. What were you gonna say, Tim? Oh no, I was just gonna say, yeah, like like it's interesting to point out that dynamic where like that he is afraid of zombies because he's been watching like so many zombie okay, movies yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of informed where he's let. Yeah. There's a lot of um. So I I kind of lay this out more in my outro, but this movie is one of those situations that's like. It's a family-friendly kind of more kids movie, but like if you're an adult watching this, there's a lot in it for you. Um, And the dark humor and some of the more adult jokes like hit pretty hard. And I think the thing that hit me the hardest in this movie that like maybe a kid won't think through or maybe it'll affect them to affect change in the environment. As right as he enters the school or he's walking up to the school, a bird flies by who is dead, is a ghost, and Mm -hmm. has a fucking... uh, thing around six its neck holder a six yeah. pack holder a six pack plastic around its neck and like tries to chirp and i but it was just like, coughs like <laughs> i was like oh, oh my god, god. yeah and there's also, a lot of there's a lot of good sort of like yeah adult humor but it's it's safe enough you know but there's even a couple that you're like wow that's pretty risque but i'll you know obviously i don't give a shit yeah <laughs> i'm watching this movie as an adult I'm i don't almost care 40 years old mm-hmm. the uh the score um is really interesting through this movie, but as he walks up to the school, the like song that's playing, I think it plays at the end and in the credits as well. It was really, w- really well composed. Sounded really good, kind of groovy. Not what I was expecting. This is this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like the love that they just put into everything. Like they they clear. I didn't look up who composed it, right? But I would imagine that they chose a composer who could fit this vibe. And could fit could fit all of the like different sorts of moments because there's mm-hmm. like family stuff, there's like hard horror, there's uh, yeah. you know just going to school like I said, and I really it's a bit haunting and uplifting in a weird way is what I wrote down. So yeah, that's good. And he's- the composer was John Bryan, uh, and he's you know much like anyone talented, he's done tons of stuff and he's like list of bands that he's been in just goes on and on but he's produced with people like fiona apple robin hitchcock uh the crystal method kanye west so this oh, yeah. the, the composer for this he's been around the block that's amazing yeah, all, even all, if sorts you, of, all sorts of movies yeah even if you just look at the filmography you can you can recall that dna and be like oh he yeah, Step Brothers, the sort of like the original score for Step Brothers does sort of sound paranormal-ish, if you think about it for a yeah. second. I Heart Huckabees. Yeah. Um, I think he did Eternal Sunshine as well. Let me check. Uh, Sunshine Spotless Mind, yes. Punch yeah. Drunk Love, Magnolia. Because uh, that's all the yeah. same director, I think. So, and that's, yes, and directors often have their go-tos, but... Uh, they they have that. Yeah. It, it has that sort of, you know charming jaunty sort of quality to it where it's uplifting it's very, but there's something sad about it yeah it, it inhabits the movie very very well and that and that that juxtaposition you just brought up of of like there is a pluckiness to it and 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 a somber undertone which is a part of the theme of this whole movie of bullying yeah um and uh and and uniqueness amongst general populace uh, to bring up something super quick uh of uniqueness uh it's something that you notice or at least i and, and maybe i'm the only one who thinks this i might be wrong i didn't have a chance to look this up if this was truly the case but did anyone notice something about the eyes of both norman 
and his uncle. That they're hexagonal and not round. Yeah, I, I did, did not recognize that. Like, not I didn't like, notice the uncle, but I did notice his eyes are very prominent in yeah. hexagons. And and there's more to that, I think, later in the movie, but I won't mention it yet. But okay. the, that was some, something that I caught on to, that this is... Because uh, the, the with the look of the movie, as we were kind of going through the town and seeing everything, uh, the one thing that kind of captured me, that like even though this is not out of... Um, like a, a production's uh, purview, but the asymmetry of everything that yeah. trees look like trees and roads look like roads and anything metallic looks like metal, but nothing like, like when you see the lockers in the school, no one locker looks quite like the one next to it, even though they all fit in together. Yeah. And to kind of think of that like level of detail where it looks like it fits, but it doesn't. And to, kind of echo back to what you said before steve of there is like a childlike depiction in the proportions of things where mm -hmm. even people's heads even though they work emotively they're not quite symmetrical That's, and, yeah no uh, it's even you, with the main character you, you think of something like um like anime for example where everything is perf perfect mm -hmm. and like everything is symmetrical and lines are sharp and then you look at something like this where one of norman's eyes is purposefully higher than the other and then you look at his dad and one of his eyes is like super high compared to the other one uh and you know that that's just reality as well like yeah pe people are oh, yeah. not symmetrical for the most part and if you are you're lucky was this the first I, I learned that in uh, self-portraits in art class yeah. <laughs> yeah was this the first movie that sort of informed this style because i've noticed in gaming um most like a lot of I won't say most or a lot. I won't make a blanket, blanket statement like that, but a few games that sort of are meant to look stop framey or or claymated. Uh, I'm thinking of Neighbors, you know, or uh, Bad Neighbor, or whatever. Well, that I mean, one you is. can think of you can look at something like Psychonauts, or which Psychonauts, came out, yes. came, which came out before this movie, too. well before this movie. Um, I think it's like 2004. I, I think that the style itself is is decades and decades. Okay before this but uh you know like if even if you look at tim burton's stuff from like beetlejuice or something where his like sculptures that yeah. come alive and that it's, it's very similar to this sort of style and that's from like german expressionism okay. film from like the you know 40s yeah. i was 30s gonna even. say if you look at uh like even political cartoons in the 30s and like yeah. old uh new yorker publications and stuff like that that you'll see the Picasso asymmetrical eyes type of thing put onto simple looking characters and stuff like that. So yeah. there, there is a lot of this that has a long history. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Even just like over overblown political cartoon, like caricatures and stuff. It's like, you think of like yeah. images of like Prince Charles from the nineties and stuff where it's like, Oh, his, his <laughs> teeth are the size of like the car that he's driving and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He looks like a Boglin. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the but it's it's interesting where uh, like you look at Nightmare Before Christmas, where it almost has the it gets away with an almost and pardon the comparison uh, a, a Giger like um, sym symmetry where it looks symmetrical without actually being a hundred percent symmetrical. Mm -hmm. Whereas with this, it kind of embraces, and I I I feel somewhat this is intentional, but like it embraces weirdness in the world. That that there is yeah, uniqueness okay. to be found around you, yeah. I love that. Uh, and yeah, and and I I find that to be kind of strung throughout the whole movie, 
uh, beyond the obvious themes, but like visually and subtly, it's kind of there the whole time with you. Yeah, even like the the popular or attractive people in this world who are, are meant to be a popular or attractive are also completely asymmetrical Courtney and weird still looking. Had, like, she's a little bit more symmetrical than her mom, but she's still got that weird forehead that her mom has. I think Norman mm -hmm. is, is, might be the most symmetrical. Elvin's mm -hmm. a little bit symmetrical too, but he's got that like gray skin. That, I like I like what you're saying. Like whenever they do wide shots of the town, everybody looks crazy. Everybody has a crazy different yeah. look, which is really interesting that they did. Um, I, I assume that they didn't skimp. They made all of these models. Like obviously they didn't have to animate all of them the same way that that they animate the main characters mm -hmm. but th those wide shots the, the town didn't feel dead remember he-man i know it's a live action movie but like he-man the town's just dead because they couldn't hire the people uh <laughs> yeah every, everybody was on vacation we we discussed this guys <laughs> we talked about this already to death <laughs> there's a uh, uh, sorry go ahead tim oh no uh, i was saying that but like yeah they, they they really peppered in a lot of life and activity uh, but like, interestingly enough, the, in the beginning of the movie, you're introduced to the most activity in town through the ghosts that their color, in, even though they're all kind of uh, see through green, but they're colorful in, in their uh, behavior and, and that they're, they're so uh, in a, a very Beetlejuice way, very accustomed to just being dead. Mm -hmm. They've been dead for so long and in this state of existence. That you know, it's just another morning. It's it's the equivalent of seeing the neighbor mowing their lawn on your way to school. They're like, oh, top of the morning to you. It's so nice when you get the reveal of all the ghosts uh, too, because yeah, that's the thing too. Is that like even for sorry, you kind of like oh, jump, jambled around there for a second. I couldn't tell what was going on. Um, <clears throat> I was going to say the reveal of the ghosts is very nice, but up until that mm. point, it really shows us the audience like what everyone else is seeing and it just it makes him look absolutely insane yes especially uh, i i really yeah. liked just before we move on to like the school bit here i just want to i just want to bring up the fact that as he's walking to school he's talking to nobody and he walks up to roadkill a dead raccoon on the ground and he's, and he's like hey fella come like, on, hey, fella, and he's patting it and somebody sees him from across the street and they're just like what are you doing and then that's when it like morphs over to us seeing all the ghosts which was a really cool reveal because then you find out that and they do this a lot in movies with ghosts it, it, like there's probably there's six ghosts in this room with me right now you know what i mean um i don't know how that's possible because this is a, a brand new build so unless there's like a barrier it was built on a built on a graveyard where a whole bunch of people died while building the building Jason, they moved the tombstones but they didn't move the bodies <laughs> that's a classic <laughs> that's a classic recipe for for ghosts as we know um cool i just want to move the plot along a little bit and just because we're introduced now to neil and elvin and we find out that norman is a social outcast he's bullied uh and he sees the guy from the cutaway too as he's walking to school uh, from around a corner. Um, nice Halloween reference. Th there's a there's a great Halloween reference later. That's Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth at the same time. But yes, yeah, so him standing at the at the edge of the thing, and then he's he's gone. Edge of the hedge. Edge of the hedge. <laughs> I'm edging the hedges. Uh, we see Elvin the bully. Uh, who is uh, Fr uh, Christopher Mintz-Plass, I believe his name is. He's McLovin. 
that was another voice that I immediately was like, that's got to be him. Imagine um, being McLovin and knowing that no matter how many other roles you play in your life, you'll still people will still say McLovin, and they'll and most people will be like, oh yes, I mean I know I'm, you. I'm fine with that. What I've actually noticed about that character is like he always plays asshole characters. It seems like now, yeah, uh, yeah, like he's I the mean, bad guy in Kick Ass One and Two, and like it's because there's a certain. He's a piece of, of shit it. in It's an it's, he has an annoying quality about him. True. Which from by all accounts that I've heard, he is like the nicest and smartest guy you'll ever meet in your life. Sure. And mm-hmm. uh I, I there was like some reality show he was on and somebody was like, "Oh, I'm not going to call him McLovin. He probably gets that all the time, so he called him his real name." And then he's like, "Do, do people like call you McLovin all the time?" And he's like, "Yeah, and I fucking hate it." And then like another contestant for the show came in and was like, "McLovin!" <laughs> like right away, and he was just like, "Yeah." Uh, I'm surprised he wasn't in the uh, "This Is the End" movie. I guess they kind of might. He be. was. Was he? Yeah, he gets cocaine blown in his face by Michael oh, Sarah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he goes, "I've never done cocaine before." <laughs> Shit, I can't remember that. That's that. fucked. I love that party. The uh, El- we Elvin says everyone's at that party. It's true. Even Rihanna. Paul Rudd's at that party, and he steps on someone's head by accident, crushes their brain. Fun story about Rihanna and that they wanted the thing with Michael Sarah slapping her on the ass, and she said he can do that if I could punch him in the face as hard as I can or slap him as hard as I can. And she did. And she did. And he was probably fine. With I think that. he asked her. He was like, "Do you mind if I slap your ass?" Like pretty hard and then she said yes but i will slap you just as hard back basically knock you out yeah uh elvin (laughs) hits us with the line why don't you go see some more ghosts goober which (laughs) just stuck out to me i don't know calling people a goober is great um Mm -hmm. we we, we're introduced he has a couple really dumb but kind of good lines throughout the movie i think where at one point he's like i'm gonna kill you so badly that you're going to have to talk to yourself because you'll be a ghost. <laughs> you'll be a ghost. <laughs> Very good, yeah. yeah, that's that's after he's trying to write his name in the bathroom and keeps misspelling his own name. <laughs> he also misspells tomorrow on the locker. He misspells dead later on. He's just a very terrible speller. You know, yeah. the education system that, that, in the United States leaves things to be desired. But, but speaking of the writing on the lockers, that was actually a great way to show that uh, Norman and Neil were kind of at like on the same level with each other because mm-hmm. Neil at the same time was also wiping off graffiti off his locker as well. I thought yeah, that was a great touch to kind of kind of show that like we're we're both in the thick of it kind of together. And it's interesting yeah. too because when we're like this isn't the it's not the first day of school right like it's already he's getting bullied but this it's definitely early in the school year because it's fall so that's, that's usually true. when yeah. school starts we, we get introduced to neil and the the girl with glasses who whose name i didn't get because i thought she was going to be more of a thing but she's really just kind of person on the phone later and she yeah. it, it kind of is the exposition dump during the the play that we're going to get to here in a sec to like explain because mm-hmm. she's like the correcting people character she's kind of like elisa simpson and mm-hmm. when we i thought that I got the impression that like they're always trying to be friends with Norman, but really it seems like this is the first time that they're actually breaking that like wall. So yeah, you're probably, it's probably like the first week of school. It Um, also seems like this could be like their first year of high school. Right. Like, cause they're pretty young feeling, right? Like they seem like they, 
Right. Which is but like they go to the same nine? school as like these kids who are teenagers. I don't I get like my no. schooling here was different, right? It was like middle school was its own thing to separate high school and primary school. So 11 is only yeah. like grade 6 or something. Yeah. Like I, my I, school do they say their seven. age? I don't think they say their yeah. age in this movie. They do because later in the movie like Norman's like you're 11 too. Hmm. Um Yeah. So could have a late birthday. They're in junior. I think. I think Elvin. I think they're in junior high. I think it's the first. Their first year of junior high because grade six right. to nine, Eight, where I nine. grew up, was junior high. Yeah. I know here I, grade nine yeah. it starts it is high school, but that's yeah. this is an anyway, American fucking. There's movie. different different things all over the world. <laughs> different things all over the world. Let's just and not focus too hard on it. The teacher, the yeah. teacher who's putting together the play and she's extremely extra and they they they're doing a play about the witch, the witch of the curse of the witch of the town. I and... like how she had like a carpal tunnel brace on her wrist. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just like there are little details about her that I'm like, yeah, I know this lady. I know who this woman is. <laughs> I've seen her in real life. I've met her before. Probably the English teacher also, in addition to putting this play together, because she's like, everybody's terrible in English. Uh, Yeah. We get the first moments of them. They're like practicing for the play. We get the kind of like explanation of the curse. And then Norman isn't just seeing ghosts anymore. He's now seeing like reality crack around him and sort of yeah he's having like a silent hill moment where reality is bleeding into the past and he's not just seeing ghosts anymore but he's seeing ghosts of the past which is pretty cool um and i wish to posit that these like a movies Coraline, this a little bit kubo not so much the missing link but these movies are horror movies for children like they are akin to the dark fantasies of our childhood they have enough maturity to them that they could be potentially frightening to a child at times with enough humor and levity to redirect that energy once it's maybe too much for a small kid to handle they can then bounce back by having something goofy happen um but i mean it's even making references to, to slasher films from our youth you know like the, the Halloween reference with him by the the hedges, even the writing on lockers is something you see a lot in horror movies or the, the, the you know, the movies where people are being bullied. Uh, yeah. And then not to mention like the horrific nature of seeing your friend's faces transform into like creepy pilgrims. Absolutely. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it is chock full of like macabre vision uh, visions and, uh, uh, and like, you know, even the subject matter of dead people, there's grown adults that supposedly are allowed to vote who get squeamish towards these things being pretend. And, and here it is in a kid's movie. Um, and, and, uh, but, but that's a good point. It's almost like modern day grim fairy tale yeah. uh, in, in a sense. And, and, and a testament that like, there will always be an element of this where inherently, all our lives will be fascinated by these things because it's dark and mysterious and we are curious people and we'll be curious about this stuff, about the dark woods and what goes on in the graves at night and all that kind of stuff. And they keep, and, and I say, well, go ahead. I was just going to say this movie keeps changing your expectations because it's, it doesn't follow the, the regular sort of arc 
that a, a movie like this normally does, as I mentioned before, like this movie could easily have just been like a pretty basic concept, but they, they keep doing little, tw- little twists throughout it. Um, and, and we get our first real like lesson coming up here where Neil Norman's like, I'm fucking, I can't deal with you people. <laughs> and also I just saw the past and Neil catches up to him and they have a really frank conversation about how like, you know, you're going to get bullied in life. It's a part of life. Uh, it's it's survival of the fittest, essentially. And I if don't care. If you were bigger and stupider, you would be a bully exactly. probably, too. And, and you, I don't care what people think about me. And Nor- Norman, you shouldn't as well because, you know, we don't know it yet, but he has an amazing gift, first and mm-hmm. foremost. But I, I think that one of the themes, one of the lessons and one of the themes of this movie, like you said, Tim, at the beginning of the show, like, it is very much about how to deal with bullying which i think i think as an adult we can sort of identify with because mm-hmm. we all have workplaces we work in we all work with not you me <laughs> you have yeah. and you will but yeah. we've all dealt with strangers mm-hmm. who are just trying to like you know use you at at their at your expense so they can get over yeah some of them want to use you and some of them want to be used by you exactly some of them want to abuse you <laughs> some of them want to be abused Sweet dreams are made of these here on. Hey, did you see this one? Uh, then we get uh, we're, we're, the uncle finally catches up with them. We get a funny line from Neil, who's like, "That statue just pissed at us," which I uh, actually laughed. So at. that was so funny because I I couldn't remember. I haven't seen this in years, but I I do own it on Blu-ray. It's a really nice Blu-ray too. It's a green case and like just kind of stands out on your bookshelf, and you're like, ooh. Paranormal, gotta watch that. But it has lots of good special features too. Um, but I had kind of forgotten all of those little micro jokes that are there for the the adults, right? Like the pissed yeah. joke is going to be funny to kids, but that's also very funny to an adult. Like that statue just pissed at us <laughs> is so funny. Like I don't think the word piss will ever not be funny to me, but you know, piss maybe, is a funny maybe word. When people, I had a friend when I was going to wrestling school who. They kind of subverted my expectations. They'd say piss all the time. They, you know what I mean? Like that, that was just one of those swear words that they peppered in and it would yeah. always catch me off guard. And it is funny. It's it, it also like that South Park episode where the Tourette's guy piss, is like, piss ass, out my ass. Piss coming out of my ass. Yeah. yeah. Piss out my ass. That shit's funny. Um, they also call him uh, Neil. Uh, he's, uh, Norman's like, I know. I know that guy. He's, he's, he's from around here. And, and Neil's like the smelly old bum who lives up the hill. I can't remember the whole phrasing of that, but that yeah. was also a funny way to put that. And he, basically, uh, what's the name of the uncle? Dr. Pender, uh, Mr. Pendergrass or something like that? Pendergrass? Yeah. Uh, something yeah. like that. He's basically uh, like... Yeah. Mr. Pendergast, yeah. Pendergast. He's basically like, you know, Norm, I know about your ability... Uh, there's a witch's curse. You have to basically save the world. Oh, another person I thought it was at first was George Carlin. Cause he kind of sounded like George Carlin a little bit at first, but I think George, I think Carlin, George Carlin was already dead. He might've died by out, that yeah. point. Yeah. I think he died. In but the- that being oh, said, oh, these movies oh, take like what? four years to make. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> these movies take like four years to make. So it's possible. And they do the audio recording before the movies come out. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. what's her name? Lord of the Rings. She's the Liv, Liv Tyler. No, no, the main elf, the best elf. Oh, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. She was in uh, 
the Pinocchio Guillermo del Toro movie that came out last year. And she was like, I recorded that like 10 years ago. <laughs> I forgot that I was in it. I another Guillermo del Toro movie came out already that I'm in. That's incredible. Yeah. And multiple multiple fucking Marvel movies. I guess she's only really in that one, but she's all over the what if show, the second season. Hmm. Um Norman's basically like also that's my uncle referring to Mr. Pendergrass. And yeah. they go to the backyard, we get kind of a, a mix of a heartbreak and also a it's like heartbreaking and uplifting, dark and uplifting all the time through this movie. And he's like, is my dog here? My dog's buried back here. Is he here? And Norman sees the dog. It's fucking cut in half because it got hit That's by a It's also funny because the dog, the way the dog died is he got run over by an animal rescue vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Both tragic and ironic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, that's a lot. That's one of those things that like as a kid it might fuck you up a little bit it might freak you out but as an adult you're watching that going should my kid be watching this that's crazy uh i don't know i feel so i was kind of a weirdo when i was a kid and i liked you i liked shit like this yeah so uh i think i've told the story before on the podcast but i asked for the nightmare before christmas for christmas i got it put it on and all of my my cousins ran away because it was too frightening for them. And I was like, this is Halloween, this Halloween, is Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Like dancing around the basement. I got it that year for Christmas as well, but I was a couple of years older. And Yeah, but I mean, I loved it. And yeah. like, it's gross and weird and scary. Yes, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that I liked when I was a kid. I was like, every day is Halloween when I was a child. Like I would put on, I would open up the Halloween costume box all the time and just like dress up like Dracula and be in front of your I've talked about how I could, couldn't handle gore and horror, especially at that time. But like Mortal Kombat, for some reason, was my favorite shit. I was, see, this is the thing. I wasn't allowed to do any of that shit because my mom would see it on the news being like, don't let your kids watch The Simpsons and don't let them play Mortal Kombat. And my mom would be like, Mortal Kombat, no Simpsons. And I'm running around being like, I'm going to drain you of all your blood. <laughs> Um, hmm. we're, we're introduced to Mitch Neil's older brother who is Casey Affleck um, mm-hmm. who I should have known because the, he's got a pretty prominent voice but he kind of plays a, a doofus muscle head he's working on his, his van um, and Neil through all this wants to teach Norman how to not be such a loner and, and Norman's like I want to be alone <laughs> yeah I love being by myself yeah we get a really great sequence too where uh the uncle dies but his ghost like goes out of his body and then goes back yeah. in he's like Haha, i survived and then dies again and then it's a good sight like gag he's like not yet i will not be killed yet i kind of would have liked that second death to be a little bit quicker like for the spirit to come out like maybe the body <laughs> falls over and the spirit's still standing there like damn it <laughs> i feel yeah. like the gag could have been a little bit cleaner but it was still good it's still good um, and they spent yeah. all the time to animate that like just let them cook you know yeah um i did want to say that the part where neil is trying to get him to throw the stick kind of really resonated with me because i was one of those kids where when other kids were trying to get me to do stuff i'd be like no i don't want to i don't want to no i don't want to and even still today i i'm kind of like that sometimes unless it's like something that i know i should do i'm like no i don't i don't want to just leave me alone nowadays i'll be like fuck off i said no no means no motherfucker get away from me as a kid you you know you get sort of stressed out by 
trying things or doing things or I'm no, like not wanting with, to do things yeah. with board games. When people are like busting out a board game and they're like, come learn all these rules. I'm like, that's a little bit different than <laughs> yeah. throwing a stick. True. Uh, yeah. <laughs> True. I like to sit. What's like, the rules of stick? <laughs> throw. Nope. Too much. What am I supposed to do here? Too yeah. many rules. No, but it's, it's not because I understood the feeling that he had was it's not that he didn't want to do it. It's that he doesn't want to be included because he's scared that he's going to fuck it up somehow. Uh, it's it's, it's a, a big vulnerability issue. Yeah. yeah, it's not because he doesn't want to or that he doesn't want to disappoint the other person so much as that he doesn't want to fail at the thing that he's trying to do because it seems to me that a lot of the stuff in his life he automatically has either failed at or the things that he's good at he's being told are odd and strange and that he shouldn't do those things. So mm-hmm. it's it can have some pretty harsh effects on us. A child's mind, right? If yeah. they're constantly being chastised by something that would, a lot of people would consider to be a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we go to the the cur- the witch's curse play now, which was it's like has a bunch of funny moments. Like they're just poorly singing "Season of the Witch," um, which I thought was <laughs> yeah. funny. Which I'm the like, trailer what does this have this to movie, do with any of this? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this movie, but it has. It is cut to "Season of the Witch," okay. and it's very very good. Um, and I rewatched the trailer a few years ago. I can't remember why. I think I was just asking somebody if they'd ever seen it. So I was like, here, watch the trailer. And I'm, I run D and D all the time. And I started listening to season of the witch after that. And it like spawned an entire D and D arc just based off of watching the Paradarvin trailer. I was like, you know what? We're going to do some witches and we're going to use this song and every version of it, every cover of it is going to be all over this D and D campaign for the next two months. Which is and great. it was, a, and it was good. It's a classic hippie was, song from the sixties. But speaking of witches, uh, this the the town this takes place in. This is somewhat like uh, a version of Salem, Massachusetts, because I think it takes place in yeah. Massachusetts, right? Yeah, and, and I, the fact that like the, the town has like uh, franchised the idea of witchcraft and witches in the town that they ma- they make it into their economy and their and their local culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I was, it's weird. It's funny you say that Even, because I was just listening for them to say Salem. Cause at one point they're talking about, it and they say the name and it's some name that's not a real place. I think it's mm-hmm. just easier. Right. And you can, you can make up something pretty easily rather than have to worry about running into actual history. So it's like, we want to make this story up. Let's just make up a place. Um, yeah. but even the, the teacher, when she's talking about the play, uh, the little girl is like, this is not historically accurate. And yeah. the teacher's like, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to sell postcards and t-shirts. Exactly, yeah. And you're like, okay, so they're just really playing into the green face, big nose, big hat kind of witches. Yeah, because she... Yeah, the Gratilda witch. Because she, she does have like that face stuff on in that first scene in the beginning. After they sing the song, the witch was basically like, I damn you all to hell. And a, an owl flies down and lands on Neil, and then the fabric of space and time starts to crackle again. And yeah. Norman is now fully in the past. And he's he they're the dead are coming for him. I th- I think that they're, they're dead they're the dead at this point. They're not like the people yet, or like because later in the movie we get to see what actually happened. Or mm-hmm. or they're no, they're calling him a witch because we don't see the full scene. They're chasing him through the woods. Right. And we are then later in the movie 
we realize that he's actually reliving the the little girl's actual experience. He's being chased, but it's actually her that's being chased. Yeah, uh, and, and he kind of comes to to Neil standing over him, like, "What's going on, bud?" Freaking out, and he freaks out further. He's like, "The dead are coming to get us!" And the, the fu- teacher's like, "That's not in the script, but it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I like this." And, and then, then he's like, did he just say the dead are coming? And his dad's like, no, 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 he didn't say that. And then everyone's like, he did. The tree told me. And then yeah. everybody looks to Neil who's like dressed like <laughs> And then the, unfortunately the dad is a huge naysayer and reprimands him driving home. Well, the dad is public. one of those really shitty parents who care more about the perception, uh, the, the perceived um, home life of him and his family than he does about the well-being of his family, which... Mm-hmm is not great it's not great when when you care more about what people think of your family than actually like what your family is experiencing you're a bad dad that's not a good dad so i do have a little bit of a a little caveat here that's when they said the name of the movie in the movie so oh no they don't actually say the name of the movie in the movie they don't ever say paranorman they say Norman mm. a whole lot of times, but he did Wait, you're telling me they say Norman, the yeah. name of the character? But as he's walking to school the next day, he's being called a bunch of names, and they got pretty close. Somebody says, Ad Norman, like Abnormal. Mm. That's the closest they get. Isn't it Abnormal? Abnorman, sorry. Okay. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> this like, one on, have I been, no there have been times in my life where i'm like have i been saying something wrong my entire life yeah, it's abnormal. It's not true. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> um and we that's when we get the great scene where he's in the bathroom in the stall talking to the ghost of his uncle now and alvin's in the stall next to him and it kind of it kind of reminded me of the scene in austin powers like who does number two work for uh but instead instead of i assume any scene in a movie where someone's in a toilet stall (laughs) reminds you of that scene then it was very funny to me when i was fucking 15 but the thing is the thing that's great about this is alvin comes out of the stall and he's like come out of there like what are you doing in there after the uncle like explains all the stuff you gotta come find me and read my book to the isn't no. he just like weirdly spying on him? He's not telling him to come out of there. He's just like listening yeah. to what's going on. Yeah. Which oh, is right. weirder than telling him to come out. Like listening to somebody in a toilet stall is very strange. <laughs> but then the whole thing explodes. So yeah. it's like the joke is kind of that he took a massive dump that caused the whole. And because Norman's even well, like, oh, I don't, don't think even Alvin, as dumb as he is, truly <laughs> thinks that. Paranorman took a paranormal dump that caused a fucking shockwave throughout the hall of the school. That one's pretty dumb. That X falls with that paranormal dump. But then Paranorman does get that that quick Ace Ventura line in where he's like, do not go in there. And then uh, waves it. I think he says, you're going to want to give that a couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah. This clearly just exploded. It's the same joke, yeah. He's essentially, uh, the uncle essentially tells him that the anniversary of the witch's death is coming. Every year you have to read the story. Um, But this is the 100th year, is not? Yeah, classic. Don't call, don't tell John Carpenter or he'll come and make this movie also. I think this is. Oh man, I would love to see John Carpenter's Paranorman. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, which is great. And during this sequence, we sort of Norman sort of gets pulled into like a fantasy realm again where his uncle is making these like toilet paper ghost monsters, which fucking looked so cool. I, I so I was going to I was I had those in the trailer, but I knew I was going to send it to you beforehand, Jason. And I was like, Jason's going to love these toilet ghosts. So I'm going to not put this into the. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to spoil a toilet ghost for Jason. That's, that should be that should go right to TikTok. Jason's going to love these toilet ghosts. You know me so well, Steve. I, I it's Well, funny. I knew that you would, wouldn't want to see Flaming Car and I knew that you would want to see toilet ghosts IRL and not have to see it ruined for you. I said to you when after I watched that trailer for the beginning of our show, uh, the the little moments in Kubo, I'm that movie's gonna change my life. Is what I feel. I, yeah, I, so I didn't use cool. I didn't use anything past like the first maybe half an hour of Kubo because I don't want to know mm-hmm. anything about that until I watch. There it. is one thing I use that I'm like, this is too sick, and I love it so much. I'm putting it in. I don't give a shit. It's when the monkey's jumping around. I'm like, uh, monkey's cool. <laughs> love monkey. Really cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> so he. Uh, he tells him to find his real body, which is still in the house, and read from the book and go to the spot where the witch uh, is buried. I wrote down, do I look crazy to you? Uh, I assume that was just the 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 uncle saying that, and he looked insane. I can't remember why I wrote yeah. that. I yeah, think... he's got a crazy look on his face. His eye is like, twitching. Do I look yeah, crazy? Looks... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. I don't know if you guys noticed this detail. This is like a a, a a Toronto Transit Commission thing to see, and it's super sad. But uh, the foot that's wrapped in a bag on the uncle. Did you see that? Did you notice that that one of his foot is one of his feet is oh, actually right. not yeah, yeah. not in his shoe? It's just wrapped in a bag. I, did, I was I like, didn't that's a that, that's it's... a that's a very specific detail to glean from real life to put into this movie. It's interesting you say that because that um, that disease which you see on unhoused people a lot. Uh, yeah. I had, I had that wound oh. on my ankle. And mm-hmm. I know that if you don't get it treated, it festers real bad because it's a varicose yeah. vein situation where essentially a wound opens and it can't be closed without medical, without medical intervention. It's not like you can just yeah. like wrap it. And I had to go to a doctor for multiple, like, once a month for like a year and get this special, it's not quite a cast. It's like it gets anyway, there's a lot of details for something. But the thing is, is when I see people on the streets and now that I'm watching these, uh, you know, the channel five, Andrew Callahan guy, he's going into these places where there's a lot of drug use. Mine wasn't from drug use. Mine was from working in kitchens and not treating a a varicose vein issue, but people are Mm. getting these like wounds that are festering. So what probably happened with the uncle and it's a really interesting that they put this this uh, yeah. this detail in is that he just refused to go to the doctor and get it fixed, you know? That's yeah. kind of what happened yeah. with me. I was like, whatever, it'll be fine. What ended up happening with me is I developed a intolerance to polysporin. So like if I cut myself and put polysporin on it, it gets infected. Because mm. of my body, I put so much polysporin into this wound that anyway, this is a comedy podcast, not a fucking <laughs> guys. Out. This is grossing me out. Sorry, but yes, Tim, <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. It's really interesting to me specifically because I, I feel for the people who. who I just on... thought he didn't have a shoe. <laughs> I didn't know that this was shit. <laughs> Sorry. How about this line? But, uh, but... He's like, swear to me uh, that you're gonna do this, and Norman's like, what? Like the f word? 
Yeah. <laughs> I wrote so endearing. Um, the Tim, what were we going to say there? Oh, I was just going to say that the details in the uh, uh, Uncle, Uncle uh, Prendergast's uh, home are very, very interesting. Uh, that, like, you, you see, like, the stack of books everywhere and, and the, the, the obsessive wall with all the circles and the pins and, and everything. And and how well it serves. I mean, I don't want to jump ahead again. Oh, yeah. Of his um, manic handling of it lends to the confusion for what they have to motivate through to get to understanding what he was actually doing the whole time. Right. And what he meant, what he was telling him, to, you got to find the book. Yeah. And the reason he exploded, I have it written down here in the explosion happens is because he basically, he was able to um, finish his, his post life quest. Like every, you know, mm -hmm. the, the old trope that like, if you're turned into a ghost, you still walk the earth because you have an unfinished business and his unfinished business, I guess, was to tell Norman what he needs to do, which I thought was great. But I like the mm -hmm. idea of these ghosts explode <laughs> catastrophically when they're done. Yeah. That's fun. And uh, why did I write down Al my boobs? Oh, because <laughs> Alvin <laughs> says, uh, if you don't, if you don't tell me where Norman went, I'm gonna punch you in your boobs. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, "I don't have boobs. I have pectoral yeah. muscles." Right. And then he punches oh, yeah, him, and he goes, "Ow, my boobs," <laughs> which is a funny joke. But, so, uh, I also liked that he had a list of all the reasons that he is bullied, and it wasn't, you know, just for being fat, which is like, you know, kind of sh a shitty reason to bully anybody at the best of times. And the worst of times, but allergies and what he had uh, irritable bowel syndrome. I'm like, oh man, I'm real high on the list of things that uh, that Neil has. I've got all these things. <laughs> but uh, it, it suits that that like he like has all of the other stereotypical things that bullies would bully people over. Yeah, whereas Norman exactly. has like these one, like these very, a few very specific, specific thing, which is like, he talks to ghosts, like a thing that nobody yeah. else would ever have. Yeah. But there's a bit of equilibrium between the two for that. Yeah. Yeah. We get the reveal. It's not really a reveal, I guess, but uh, Norman's at home now playing with his action figures or whatever he does. His phone rings. It's the Halloween theme, which is great. And he yeah. looks out the window, and it's a shot from Halloween uh, of Neil standing by like the the the, uh, the laundry sheets. sheets, yeah, laundry, yeah. Which is a shot from Halloween, but he's wearing a Freddy mask or a, a Friday the Thirteenth mask, hockey Jason mask. hockey mask, which I thought was great, and. Also, Grandma shows up to give him a, a, a pep well, talk. Also, also, he lifts up the mask and he goes, you want to play hockey? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. For him, it's perfectly hockey? innocent. Yeah. <laughs> but he's standing there so gratefully like, with his arms kind of like spread wide. He's got his like shoulders and feet spread wide. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It, the, it kind of reminded me of a Simpsons gag a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Bart, you want to check out my new hockey mask and chainsaw? Yeah. A lot of the sensibilities yeah. in this comedically were very sort of like 90s era Simpsons where the joke is there, but then the joke mm -hmm. is doubled down upon where they, they do like the joke on top of a joke on top of a joke. And it it usually works. But uh, in this movie, it works pretty nicely. Like 
I I don't think there are too many jokes in this movie that that failed for me. Even like the mm-hmm. butt coming out of the ground, like the zombie butt, when all the zombies are coming up and like the one zombie comes up butt first, I'm like, you know what? I like it. That's I like funny. it. Yeah. Um, the grandma shows up to give him a pep talk about basically like being a loner and reveals that her duty or her, the reason why she stuck around is to watch over Norman. Um, and Norman basically goes to do the um go go goes to do his duty which is go up to the the uncle's house um we get that great scene that we saw in the opening of the of uh elvin breakdancing which is for some reason i was like yeah bullies breakdance and it's just <laughs> him breakdancing with his his goon squad cheering him on yeah, it's not like he's doing it to impress yeah. anybody except his weird friends. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and Norman blasts through on his bike, like drives right through it. So naturally, Alvin's like, "What the fuck? Let's let's get him!" And he makes it to the uncle's house. The place is disgusting. There's rats. There's a rat, a funny rat moment. There's a funny slug moment that comes out. We also the other thing. Um, there. The thing that I didn't understand, there's also, like, he opens that thing and all the, like, moths fly out, but the moths are, like, the size of bats, so it was kind of both. It's just, it's just good visual stuff, When you they know? cut to, what was the thing with the forks, though? Like, it was, like, a chandelier made of forks? Was it supposed to be a trap? I think it's, I think he's just crazy. <laughs> I think his uncle is crazy. Like, his uncle made that probably thinking it was a trap, but it's not really. It's he's not like, really. If anybody <laughs> happens to be near near this chandelier made of forks, they're going to die. Like, I don't think so, man. So he finds the uncle. He reads the book. Uh, he's trying to... Oh, this fucking scene is so... This is, like, for adults and would make a child feel weird. It felt like uh, the scene from Drag Me to Hell. Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell when they when she accidentally knocks the corpse out of the out of the coffin and it like spills bile all over her and starts gumming her and you're just like Hell! like it felt like that. Essentially, yeah. though, it, it, like the body's rigor rigor mortis and he's trying to get the book out of its hands, but like the whole bunch of slapstick, like crazy stuff happens. Like it falls on top of him and then its tongue comes out and like licks his face. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, Norman. Yeah, get it's out. like a slightly. <laughs> a slightly grosser version of a uh, weekend at Bernie's kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's falls somewhere in between drag me to hell and weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> it's the, the paranormal <laughs> part. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. want to do drag me to hell in this show at some point. Cause I feel like it is one mm-hmm. of those movies that not a lot of people have seen, but it's, mm-hmm. it's got some wild stuff in it that, well, we have it's, a, it's a great Remy. We have a it non-sequels is, yeah. grimoire coming up. It's a little problematic movie. nowadays, but uh, I think if you can kind of take a deep breath and and just look past the the horrible <laughs> use of the word gypsy over and over Jesus again. Christ. Yeah. Make a cut where we censor it and put in Roma. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's just but it's I don't still even... offensive because. It's yeah, it's like it's they're racial... using the culture as like a mystical thing where it's like they put curses on you. Oh, <laughs> it's an evil Romanian curse. He bashes the head off stuff. <laughs> it, he gets stuck under the body, like you said, the tongue thing. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. Norman heads into the graveyard with the book that's fully grown over, which I thought th- I like this fully grown over. I like a fully grown over graveyard. 
I think it's a great aesthetic. Mm. I think it's more haunting to me than a regular graveyard because it's almost like a secret garden, but a haunted secret garden. And it's, Um, yeah, it's isolated, which I don't know if you've ever come across like an isolated graveyard, but it is 10 times creepier than a regular graveyard. Um, Oh, yeah. My friend, my friend, she used to live in this like sort of newer developed area, but it was like very it was like a wealthy neighborhood so there was only like 12 houses in the entire area but they had all been sort of recently built and in and amongst that property was this like ancient graveyard and you would go in there and it was like you couldn't even read the names on the tombstones and they're all overgrown and it's just there's something spookier about it i love it oh yeah i love a regular one where i grew up too like i there was this acre of land that like in the middle of a bunch of houses backyard i've been there when i went to your wedding our fucking airbnb was right outside right outside of that yeah the, the graveyard it? in halifax oh the graveyard no 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 this i'm not this it wasn't a graveyard it, it but it was a place where like things had clearly happened so i'd be oh, like oh the murder the- grove <laughs> <laughs> i'd be out on this acre and i'd find like an old weird fence that was like decrepit and like with half a human skull on it you're like "Ah, this is weird yeah but yeah you you definitely stayed next to an actual graveyard the graveyards in halifax there's one graveyard in halifax that is like the titanic graveyard which Mm -hmm. also has Mm -hmm. like a kind of grown-in feel to it even though it's like a public park it's still got that it's wait it's the titanic graveyard yeah so there's no bodies there well there's (laughs) (laughs) there's just markers for all the souls that were lost at sea true that's a good point. That's like yeah. the least scary graveyard ever. They're like, these are just a bunch of rocks with names <laughs> on them. <laughs> I never put that together because I'm I'm incredibly intelligent, but I'm not smart. <laughs> but we see a circle of graves here. A circle of graves will mm. always make me feel a, a particular way. Uh, and I guess you read from the book and it stops the curse, but he doesn't know why or how this is affected. And I think the book is what sleeping beauty. So it's like, yeah. How once upon a time. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote, he's going to miss something and it's going to be game over. And you know what? I thought he was going to start reading an incantation and then Elvin was going to show up and interrupt it. And he was going to get uh Spider-Man, no way homed but no that's not what happens at all he tries to read from the book it becomes it's like dusk when he starts reading it it becomes night the, the dead mm. rise and basically elvin and norman are Jones. now in an undead nightmare situation yeah here comes he goes, the night do a dembala give me the power <laughs> i beg of you um ate platu niktu uh he he combines them all i thought there i thought it'd be funny if we did a new segment on this show maybe we get a sting for it but much like the home alone of it all we have a and credits scene where here it's like there's there was two versions of the end credits that i came up with one is like he just reads the book and the curse gets lifted credits and the other one was like the kids get eaten by the zombies credits <laughs> um yeah i think that you know there's a lot of movies with zombies popping out of the ground but this one this one really did it really did it for me i like the the choice of of camera angles the crane work obviously it's different than traditional film but you know it was These very deliberate and cool 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, move it. In, um, in a way, though, yeah. It is basically a tiny crane, but it's uh, yeah. a little bit. It, it's it's in in so many ways much more difficult than a regular crane shot. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the cracking earth, the lighting, and the the funniness of it, where it's like. <laughs> It is frightening. Like the music is very frightening. Uh, the ambiance is very frightening. And then they just like throw in these goofy gags where like the zombies are coming out feet first. And I'm like, you know what? If I was a zombie, maybe I would want to kick my way out first and my feet would pop out first. Maybe my butt would come out if I'm just like using my lower back to force open the coffin that I've been buried inside of. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, instead of just hands. But the goofiness doesn't really throw you off of the creepiness as well. Right. So you get a, a chuckle yeah. here and there, but then you're immediately thrown back into like, Oh, I'm concerned for Alvin and for, for Norman more so Alvin, because he seems like a main character who could potentially be eaten. True. Whereas we know Paranorman's going to live. <laughs> Norman understands At least until yet. the end. Norman yeah. understands the dead and they, mm. they get out of there. They make it back to Neil's. Um, the sister, Thing. oh sorry over to neil's because the sister is looking for neil and norman because during all of this too i forgot to write this down but norman is supposed to be being babysat by courtney and he, she she's like don't you leave and he immediately leaves <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she's now looking because she's supposed to be babysitting while the parents are out and she asks she thinks norman's there um neil is is there by himself he's pervin to aerobic videos there's that funny scene yeah. where it's like, you better not be pausing the aerobics videos. Yeah, He's like, you... no, I'm not. I don't let you guys in on a little secret. When I was that age, let's just say my mom had a lot of aerobics videos that I never have done the same thing. With. Okay. So Jason is Neil. We've discovered now, Neil, but I was skinny. I wasn't rotund. Uh, the brother answers the door and flirts with Courtney they have a bit of a smitting he doesn't moment. flirt with courtney no she flirts with him but it yeah. felt like they were yeah. smitten a little bit he just is gay dumb... you think he's gay <laughs> he is gay not... <laughs> did you watch the movie you scumbag <laughs> at the very end of the movie it's not a theory by the way he says to her Oh, you're gonna love my boyfriend. He loves rom-coms yeah. and stingy goofy stuff like I that. I fully missed that. Yeah, that's amazing. So, and and I, I, I now I don't know if this is 100% correct, but this is one of the first like feature-length major animated movies where it does have somebody that is just openly gay in it. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny and, and, because like, the reason it works so well is because it's not mentioned at all until the very yeah. end of, it's one of the last lines in the movie and mm -hmm. when you watch it again knowing that you're like oh yeah he has absolutely no interest in her whatsoever like it's like it's so clear that he's just oblivious and being like and you know you think oh he's just like an airhead or whatever but like no he just actually he just doesn't, doesn't have any interest in her whatsoever and has a boyfriend <laughs> that's somewhere else in the town yeah <laughs> Yeah, should so, have a different sting for this for like dun, 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 facts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it's not headcanon it's just revealed later in the movie that, to be the absolute truth yeah. uh, but we do have like a horror squad now we've got the brother Neil and the sister Elvin and Norman make it back to the house um, 
there were seven victims. The, the it's Sleeping Beauty that they're reading. So I wrote seven dwarves, but that's not. Yeah, that's Sleeping Beauty. No, that's Snow White, Snow brother. White. Right. So it's it turns Snow White out seven dwarves. It, Sleeping turned... Beauty just has one dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just the uh, the, the, the sleep kisser. Yeah, the perv <laughs> kisses you when you're sleeping. But Snow White also has that. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, turns out they were reading the story in the wrong place um, because he wasn't supposed to read the book at those seven graves. He was supposed to read the book where the the witch actually was buried. And witches in those days were treated as subhuman. They get buried in an unmarked grave. Now, have have either of you played the game Earthbound? Oh, mm. gosh. Long time ago. This town. This I was sale, too stupid to play it. <laughs> I mean, too too busy dealing with ghosts. You probably just couldn't like you. It probably was out at a time where you weren't like. My mom thinks that I could see ghosts when I was a kid. By the way, but my mom believes in ghosts. I don't believe that ghosts are real, but she has told me some weird stories where I'm like, what? Apparently, I would just like be talking to people, and then I would come downstairs and be like, the boy in my room told me that said that I should come out of the closet. Yeah, there was the boy and the man that lived in the house. Crazy. Yeah. You do have an active imagination hmm. and you're an artist, so maybe you were just I guess yeah. I don't know. I don't have any memory of the boy and the man, but apparently they existed. That's crazy. For me. The um the reason I bring up Earthbound is because this town reminds me of the third town is called Threed. In the <laughs> Japanese version it's called Threek. I don't know why they were like, oh, calling it Threek is too freaky. The reason why it's called that is because the first town's called Wanit. Second town's called Tucson. It's basically one, two, three, four side, on and on. Um, Threed is a town that's been taken over by zombies. And when you go to that town, all of the people are holed up in a in a circus tent, and they act very similarly, where they're just they're afraid of everything. They think Ness is a zombie. They think the zombies are coming. It's a whole thing, though. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because this the, the, there are a lot of similarities here. Uh, in the vibe of a town being taken over by literally a small amount of zombies. Mm-hmm. I don't even, there were no real rules for these zombies. In fact, right when they get to the point in this movie, as we're going to get to here in a second, where they st- where you would normally get the rules for the zombies, the rules for the zombies are that we don't find out the rules. We don't find out if they bite people, you turn into a zombie. Well, find they're not the zombies. Zombie. They're yeah. not like normal zombies. It's, that's what's so funny about this movie is that the, the townspeople are the zombies at the end of the day, right? Where, like, there's literally a scene where the zombies are held up in a house, scared for their lives as human beings are like, <laughs> their arms are busting through walls oh, and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, that was great. A that was really movie. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so fun. And I'm sure this has been done somewhere else before because it's, you know, it seems like a very obvious thing to do in order to sub- subvert the expectations of a zombie movie to have the humans being the zombies, but visually it's so fun. And the zombies being horrified, like when they first get to the town and they see that the town has changed so much and they're like horrified by television and people just eating snack foods and stuff. They're like, Oh, it's great. It's (laughs) so good. Um, they're, they're in the car. They're trying to go find Norman. Courtney won't shut up. Um, I've never seen in my life. Jesus. It's a funny line. No, but she's just talking a mile a minute, and she she has that thing where she like won't believe anything even after seeing things, you know. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They almost hit Norman and Elvin, and they smoke a zombie. 
they go to they do the go to check the body trope and i wrote don't get bit he doesn't um the uh, Jason's watching this with like Walking Dead rules. I was like, club his head, club him in the head, destroy the brain, destroy the brain. Why <laughs> they didn't destroy the brain? Because who knows what would happen to the ghost later? The brother football punts the head, which I thought was great. Um, mm. And they drive off, but a zombie grabs on. We're introduced to the police officer, who sucks. He's just like the worst police officer ever. I think the car chase, or not chase, but car sequence is probably one of the most fun bits in the entire movie. It has several chuckles, like several moments where I was giggling to myself. It's that chaos thing that I love in movies, when there's just like one crazy thing happening after another and it's all so unhinged. But it's just the Mm. Looney Tunes shot composition and like the, the comedic sensibility of all of it is so high tier for me personally like the zombies you know it's like a static shot of all the other zombies and their their heads are moving slowly and they're all kind of like <laughs> groaning and then it cuts to the other zombie on the back of the van like terrified <laughs> screaming for I his had, life I had but he's like note. staring at them like help me <laughs> like help me please i had made a note that the zombies are actually really like interesting to look at they they were just animated so cool and they just had a yeah, different yeah they all had something weird going on with them. Like there's, there's the tall one with the broad shoulders who has like a lip that's yep. dangling and kind of always moving. Uh, yeah. yeah. All of them had something interesting. There's the one with the teeth where it almost looks sort of like a bird crocodile. Um, the big, the big like square zombie was pretty cool. It was just like, yeah, they, yeah I think right. they did a really good job of the main characters in this movie for the humans, but they did just as good for the, uh, the zombies themselves. And I remember the first time I saw this, I was kind of like disappointed by the zombies when I first saw them. I was like, yeah, these zombies are just kind of whatever standard zombies. But as the movie goes and you start to understand what they are, you realize Mm -hmm. that all those specific sort of traits that have been given to them are there for comedic timing. And then later on for a point of reference for you to feel bad for them where you're like, Oh man, like the, the emotion is really coming out on the lip guy right now. Look how sad that, he looks. The the lip one especially because its lips are hanging below off the <laughs> jaw. Like yeah. I when I when I first noticed that I thought like the I was just kind of took a moment at that point in the movie to kind of absorb the amount of creativity with how individually interesting everything is. Mm-hmm. You know, like at every moment that like the. In general, for the movie, anyway, like every, the, every frame is a feast for the eyes because there's yeah. so much going on, and and you can get so much from rewatching over and over again, especially during that that chase scene to to catch all the different jokes that are la- overlapping each other as well. There's so yeah. many good little like there's a joke here where the the they right before they zoom by, she's just talking on the phone and she sees the sky is all fucked because throughout this whole sequence, the sky is like swirling and becoming more and more like it hasn't gone full witch face, but it's like clearly purple and swirly kind of like, like when the, in ghostbusters, when the the sky starts to get weird and she goes, Oh, the, the sky's changing because the kids are using up all the, you know, all the bandwidth with their cell phones. Yeah. Just blaming it on Wi-Fi. Pesky kids. Yeah. And that's when they that's when they zoom by and she's on a moped which i thought was also like dumb and funny like she's trying to chase this the van. police department doesn't have that much money uh yeah. but there's like the moment where they're rolling down the hill as well and it cuts 
to the interior of a house where two people are just like drinking wine together as yeah. the car is rolling down the hill. <laughs> that part and, was really good. It's, and it's just like, they're not saying anything. They're both just going, oh. <laughs> and it's long enough that you know that they could have had some sort of dialogue, but they don't. They're just like stupidly giggling to one another. Like one of them just told the worst joke and you don't know what it's, yeah. what it is, but you know, it wasn't that funny. They're both fake <laughs> laughing, basically. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's so good. That's why I think gold star <laughs> of this movie is that entire card sequence. Cause like, there's so many parts in it that just make me laugh every time. And it doesn't drag on mm-hmm. really. It's like, no. And it's not that long, but there, it's chock full. Like it's, it is rammed full with of like yeah. funny little bits. Yeah. Yeah, the, without um, overstaying it's welcome no mm-hmm. yeah exactly they they do manage to call the uh the i mentioned this earlier so i won't stay on it too hard but they do call the girl who i thought was gonna have more of a an effect on the party but that's when they tell her they tell them that basically the you have to go to the town hall because you have to find out where the witch is buried because they don't bury witches in a, in a marked grave because they weren't considered people. I already talked about that. So they race, they, they're back in the town. They're racing by, they race by the parents. The, the police officer crashes her moped into the car. And that's when they roll, they crash and roll down the hill for like, I, I, I say way too long, but I don't mean it was, it went on for too long. It just, it's just hilarious. They end up, careening down this hill and rolling and rolling and then they land perfectly in the parking spot oh of an auto body God. shop i just looked up the voice of that girl because i was like is it anybody and then I, I looked a picture of her up and i was like this she looks so familiar and she is the little girl in the silent hill movie oh that's a weird oh. sort of like kind of i mean yeah. it's obviously not like a huge connection but the fact that this movie has so many silent hill elements to it is kind of Cool. Silent mm-hmm. Hill came out at around the same time, like maybe 2008, 2009, 2006. 2006. Yeah. Um, she was also in that movie where they're in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> cabin in the woods. I was like, what is it called? Um, yeah, she plays. She was in a lot of horror movies. She was also in Bioshock 2. She did some voices. Is she anyway, the little sister from Bioshock 2. She is. Yeah. Crazy. Hmm. Um, they we get it okay so in my head i don't know i completely missed the line at the end about um the the casey affleck character being gay but we get the old like oh i can't believe that you you're hurt um i hope that you're okay and courtney's like oh my god he thinks they and he storms right past her and like goes up to the that's van. the gate that's the part where he says you're gonna love my boyfriend oh okay i don't know i, I that. can't believe you missed that it's the it was like the best the date that I was on was with a guy. So it was like, we were both like, you high five and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's too much. Exactly. We started blowing each other in the theater full of children. <laughs> sorry. I realized almost immediately what I was insinuating. Um, then we just, yeah. So we, and then the truck, the, the van like breaks down fully. He starts breaking down and we get a side yeah. cut to, a man in a vending machine who just wants his greasy bits. There's a bunch of like <laughs> noticeably similar to real products in the machine. It's funny because mm-hmm. I was cutting around our, 
I was cutting clips out of our um, our Castaway episode, so I, I was listening to us talk about product placement. But this does the thing where it's fake products. There's like a crunchy bar, clearly, but it's like labeled differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, he, he's just trying to get it. They're called greasy bits or greasy chunks or something. So something like great. that, yeah. And we get a weird, like, the zombies are, like, lumbering towards him. But the bag's mm-hmm. at the very back of the machine, and it's rolling forward yeah, in that, the, like, the coil. Yeah. That's a spiral, yeah. I thought it was a really funny, like, way to do a little countdown. And it's funny because mm-hmm. he's like, ah, ah, ah. And he, he he runs away, and they finish falling, and he's still going, ah, ah. And he runs back and grabs them and runs away. I just thought that was funny. That's when the zombies round the corner and see the modern horrors they see the mm-hmm. they see the people coming at the strip club i think they had already seen the the billboard of like the the witch casino um yeah yeah they seen the see the, the the sign for the lucky witch casino they see all the modern things like spray paint <laughs> good guy spray painting his skull the tv they freak out uh and then the when they walk out they subvert our expectations because the humans freak out a bit. They're like, oh, my God, humans. And then a woman just pulls out a shotgun. <laughs> She's like, we're knock <laughs> a few buck, buddy. And, uh, yeah, the, it's interesting that the humans just fight back immediately. You never see that. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I'm one, I love zombie movies and TV shows. But in my head, I'm like, there's so many moments where I'm like, especially like the walking dead there's a midpoint where like they've been in it for so long how do they still fear these slow ass zombies i get that fear the, the walking dead yeah i get that the hordes <laughs> i get that the hordes can be intimidating if they just like suddenly overtake you but like there is a moment before they become like certified zombie killers where they're still freaked out by like a couple of zombies i mean I think that a walking corpse would never not get scary <laughs> to me anyway. <laughs> Somebody coming at me with their, their skin hanging off and their That's brain fair. hanging out of their head. Uh, yeah. who wants well, I certainly wouldn't want them to touch me. Yeah. yeah. And I will <laughs> say that I, 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 I know they probably that smell bad, like really, really bad. There's a walking dead show. That's sort of like a CW high school show that takes place 20 years after day one. And the zombies are treated like a comedic afterthought. So maybe Locking I don't junior high. It's like high. Yeah. It's like they're in high school and there's one it's young Rick Rhymes. He's like, I hate zombies. Carl, Carl. No, I it, it, my son, Carl one day. It's like a group of outcasts at like a high school in the future. That <laughs> the world is just basically fine, but there's still zombies around. Um, that sounds terrible. It sucked. It's, I watched one. Out. I love like, The Walking <laughs> Dead, but all of the spinoffs. Like High School awful. Musical, but with zombies, you know? It's like <laughs> the grassy, but zombies guy. That yeah. might have been what they were going for. Like, the one girl gets pregnant and she gives birth to a zombie. Are they, like, teaching them? Is it, like, school? Like, they have to go to class? And yeah, it was, like, it was like a high school drama. That sounds like and the worst there's, fucking there's thing just I've scenes ever heard about. Whenever they showed that zombies so in bad. it, it was just we're gonna, like, Now we're learning about American history. Why? Yeah. The fucking world has been devoured by zombies. And rebuilt. shit? Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, I just remember there was a sh- scene of like 
that was played for comedy where there was like kind of like a small horde of zombies and the military just comes and just like steamrolls them just kill why like, didn't you do your calculus homework jimothy uh my dog got eaten by a zombie and then the zombie also <laughs> ate my homework <laughs> the, zo- the dog <laughs> didn't eat my homework the yeah. zombie ate my dog and then ate my homework yeah. sorry to just reset your joke but i wanted to yeah. make sure you were clear <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. I liked your thing better than <laughs> where my head went. <laughs> Tim liked that one. <laughs> yeah. Tim liked it both times, but the combo of both made it even funnier. Yeah. Um, I got to enjoy it twice, just like this movie. <laughs> the, par- the parents and the police arrive to find the fucking humans just shooting their guns at things like the zombies aren't even really around. And the co- then we got some anti-copaganda where the cops like, don't just shoot your gun wildly. That's for the police to do. And I was like, yeah. high five to this movie. Uh, I, in, 20, yeah. in 2012 to make that joke. In 2012. Too. Yeah. Where people kind of still liked the police a little, I think. Mm hmm. I think a cab has been around for a while, but yeah, but I, I think people were still like, oh, police are bad. <laughs> police are bad. Zombies make it to the town hall and the humans are going nuts uh, with the theater teacher leading them. Um, mm-hmm. And when they're in the town hall, all of these dumb teenagers are like, we don't know what to do. And Norman's like, I don't have the brain capacity to deal with all you. And Neil's like, I'll help. I'm going to read this book. And it's, it, the book is, uh, asbestos and and asbestos and what to do with it and he opens it and he goes okay page one this is page one you know casey affleck can't even fucking read it seems like elvin can't read he he starts doing like exercises with the thick books that's the first instinct he has is just to exercise courtney still does not believe that any of this is possible and um Courtney still like it during this Courtney still calls Norman a freak and says that he has to live in the real world. And then you have to just be like, all of these things are literally happening. Yeah. Can you not see the zombies, man? Mm. Yeah. But I mean, she semi redeems herself by the end. That's which is, I think that there's this really heart wrenching moment near the end of the movie, but she has nothing to do with it. Her her turn does not really in any way make me feel human feelings, no. but everything leading up to uh, to Norman both succeeding on his quest and being in that sort of hell world is uh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of it kind of becomes a situation where they leave the room leave norman by himself in the in the library and now we get a sort of almost m night Shyamalanian twist Shyamalanian. Shyamalanian. not really i'm i'm being hyperbolic however the the humans are trying to get into this building because they're like the zombies are in there and they're like smashing their hands through the windows and it's very very zombie yeah. aesthetic, which I they're in there. All right. I can feel their clammy flesh. And they're acting like the horde. And I thought they it was are a the great horde. subversion. Subversion. Yeah. That's it's, it's one of those things. It, it's very surface level, but it also works so well and it's fun and, and smart. And I can't really think of an example 
off the top of my head, at least a mainstream example that has done that before, where they literally have zombies being attacked like humans, where the zombies are fearing for their lives as though they are being attacked well, by zombies. Big, like, it's pretty funny. That's the big like turn of the movie here, where it's like they do kind of a, a double turn where the humans are now bad and the zombies are good and you feel bad for the zombies. And this is even before they explain their case really, because what kind of yeah. happens here is as they're being like a horde outside, the zombies sort of corner Norman in the library. And yeah. he to gets... be clear, I don't want to say that like, I've never seen a movie where a horde of humans is depicted as a monster before when they're hunting a monster that's been right. done 1 billion times. I'm talking very specifically about a horde of human beings well, being shot and captured as though they are zombies with their hands coming in going. Rrr. The closest <laughs> I could remember that we've done specifically was Halloween 4 where there's that roving band of like idiots who shoot one of their own. Yeah, I mean or mm -hmm. even Assault on Precinct 13 right. it has a that's zombie feel to it, but I'm talking specifically zombies being hunted as though the humans are zombies. It's well, it's very well, funny. It's like like Dutch angles on them yeah, and everything. Yeah, exactly. It zooms in on them and they're leaning to grab. Yeah. 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 So the zombies sort of ca like corner Norman in the library. He runs out. He's, he climbs to the roof. He climbs to the tower on top of the roof. He pulls out the book and he tries to start reading it. The, the witch face is now a full witch face. I thought it looked so friggin' cool. Um, mm -hmm. and then he gets blasted to the past and he sees the people who are the zombies and he gets sentenced as a witch, but then it's sort of, he sort of gets, he gets pushed. sentenced by the zombies who are now humans. Right. It's like a tribunal of, of, um, these pilgrims, I suppose, these, these settlers, these religious Puritans who have decided that. Yeah. you're a witch and they're talking to him. And then he kind of steps to the side and sees a girl right. who looks exactly like him yeah so i'm like oh you is know, this one of his ancestors too, or something right? well yeah they, it's and like the same it, model almost and also then once again she has hexagonal eyes okay. just like norman and and uh mr pendergrast where this is i, I almost got implied bloodline because i'm not too sure if they mention her name uh her I full name i think or whatever. so but it, it's very they... clear it's very clear to me that they're meant to be related. Yeah. They look like it's or, or the, identical. Or there's a, a, a connection to them. Yeah. 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 But like, that, yeah, to have this kind of view of the world where they can see these other things. Yeah. So they have that distinct look in their well, eyes. She's being, she's being, you know, literally burned at the stake for witchcraft, which is probably the same thing that it, it's a, a more extreme version of what's happening to, uh, to, to Paranorman. Um, yeah. And yeah. She probably just had ghost seeing powers. She probably is like, your mom wants you to eat more broccoli to like some kid in the schoolyard. And he's like, hey, she's a witch. My mom's dead. What she's saying during that is she's like, I didn't mean to do it. I was just playing a game. Yeah. And mm. then she, I don't know if it was, if we're supposed to see it as the reality of the situation, but when she bursts into lightning right there, like was that her power? And then they survived and then, burned her at the stake that whole little moment is kind of unclear to me i assume because they probably can't show a lot of stuff that they probably scripted all this stuff and they're like we can't show this <laughs> this is too fucked so it's yeah. it's probably a thing where they sentenced her to be hanged or burned or whatever i assume burned burned because she has like these elemental powers uh and she probably cursed them before she was killed and that's why they're not able to rest, right? So they've been put to to rest when they die, but they can't die fully because she 
put a curse on them. So she does have witch powers. She is a witch, but she's only evil because they made her that way. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah. The whole sort of like thesis of the movie is like bullying creates monsters. And which is true. Yeah. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. The zombies essentially, when he kind of pops out of it and he's like, why did you do this? They, they tell him that they were scared just like he's scared of them. And when people are scared, they do extreme things. And he basically, t he, they basically tell him that he needs to stop the curse. And the reason it's a storybook is because they, the, the uncle was reading the storybook to the grave every year to keep the witch asleep because she's a little girl. So we've just found out. Um, mm -hmm. And the zombie believed that at the time, what he was doing was right and just because he was trying to protect his people essentially. And mm. the curse isn't getting better from yeah. people reading it every year. It just sort of exacerbates mm. the situation. And Norman's mm -hmm. like, well, you know what? I've got to do something different, which we don't find out till later. They emerge together out. They, the zombies come out first. The people are ready to kill. Norman runs out front. Mm. He's like, stop. And we get a really good heartfelt moment where the rest of the crew, um, they all hold hands and sort of create like a human wall. So the other humans can't get at the zombies. And I thought that was like pretty heartwarming, like pretty heartfelt, pretty heartwarming. It was a good moment. It was big, almost like the climax of the movie was everybody works together. Yeah, it was a big a big turn for everybody because it's also like Alvin the bully and and his sister who was also picking on him, like uh, it, a, a big turn for them for them to kind of accept the situation that this is the reality of it. Nor uh, Norman has authority in the situation to accept that somebody that they were giving no authority to before now he's he's actually right about things and and they're. And yeah, like it, it's a big vulnerable moment, and uh, and and it, it it mirrors out things towards the crowd about how they've been behaving, that they've been monstrous and grotesque uh, to these things that they consider to be monstrous and grotesque. Yeah, and uh, a, yeah, you're you're right. It's a great moment. What a twist that the humans listen. They listen mm -hmm. to him, um, and Norman explains that they were cursed for doing something, and now it has to stop and they they listen to him about this curse they don't just all pull guns out like they did in the first place uh mm. but then the sky witch just starts blasting the town starts creating havoc and the town is in full disarray we get that funny scene where they're like driving through town like and like a car just comes and fucking rolls which i thought was funny <laughs> for no reason yeah <laughs> just the, the town's in just complete disarray i they're freaking yeah, out they're freaking the sky out. is turning into a giant monster the sky is literally falling uh they drive out to the woods excuse me I, if i missed anything here because like i i feel like i missed a moment where they get to the woods i know that it's like norman is essentially like I'm going to go in and do this myself and the mom is like no you're not you have to stay with us and everybody be safe but they finally just listen to Norman and let him go into the woods. Is that basically what happens? Yeah. And, and like, uh, it's also a moment for where the dad, uh, 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 starts to also listen to Norman. Right. Yeah. 
and and even even if it's something he doesn't understand, it's not something he should be shunning. It's not something he should be punishing, just because he doesn't understand it. And so, like accepting, like, can we borrow the car? You, you know, that like that that's a big turnaround for for the dad as well. Yeah, okay. And th- and then you get that that whole part where it's the Norman, the uh, chief judge, now a zombie, in the middle seat, and the sister in the back, and they're, and they're having like a car trip argument on their way to save the world. Uh, and, 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 but like, finally, like the parents are, are doing like much healthier things of listening and being patient with the situation and, and letting Norman have his chance to explain himself a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And but also it's hilarious. With his knees up to his chin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I, I had forgotten at that point that the other humans can't hear what he's actually saying. So it just sounds like grunts. But when he's talking to Norman, you can hear what he's saying. And he's just like, I want, you know, I want people to, you know, I'm just doing my best here. And Courtney is like, he's on my side. And he's like, rah, 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 rah. He's like and he's talking about me, isn't he? Which I thought was a funny little moment. Um, yeah. So they. We get that sight gag. They pull. They pull up to the forest. Norman goes into the woods, and we get a really cool. There's like a swirling, sort of tornado of of souls kind of image. It's a, the the, cyc, the cyclone, cyclone coming down towards yeah, yeah. To the, towards the grave. Tree. Yeah, yeah. Clearly the the witch, the witch was uh, buried under a tree, uh, unmarked <laughs> grave, but still they could know where it was, and. Mm-hmm. He's, he has a conversation with the witch. She's the Electro mode that's in Steve's background there. And mm-hmm. uh, he tries to level with the spirit. Um, and she says, I don't want to go to sleep and you can't make me. And it was a really cool shot at that moment. Because during all of this, um, actually before that, there was the cool shot of him like trying to run up to her. And when she's like, you can't mm-hmm. make me. She's shooting spikes out of the ground, which was really, really well done. Um, yeah. And sh- that's when she shows herself as the Electro Witch. He starts ad-libbing a story kind of at her that's similar to like a like a storybook, but about her, which I think is how he mm-hmm. like changes it, um, which was great. And the music during the sequence, much like that opening, was very like very good and unexpectedly great yeah it's also sort of a uh you know it's a similar it's it's the it is the same song but just changed to be more intense and And she sort of she sort of pulls him out of reality and they're kind of fight as the world sort of falls down around them they're sort of fighting on little pieces of land and trees that are sort of floating around in this void and I thought that it reminded me of like uh, like a Final Fantasy sort of end boss area, you know, where there's yeah. In Final Fantasy VII, you sort of you go into the crater, and then it it turns into like you're just jumping from platform to platform that's like floating rocks and stuff. I thought that was yeah. really cool. Um, yeah, it, 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 it certainly gets like very primordial. <laughs> I literally read this is some Final Fantasy shit. Awesome. <laughs> the, the, I mean, it's just fantasy shit. I know. <laughs> like everything. I know. 
How did they do? Is the lightning a practical like effect? Yep. Yep. Do you know all about it? Read all about it. Just honestly, just look up a couple making of videos for this this movie specifically, and you can see some of the stuff that you would never think they could do um, practically. And they they figure it out. They do crazy stuff, and it's wild. I'm interested. Um, I yeah, think with composite shots and, and yeah. layering and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the missing link is like the one where they they had to use some CG in order to do water and stuff. But even uh, Kubo, a lot of the water effects they do practically as well. Mm-hmm. It's just super impressive. I did mm-hmm. notice um, between the two movies, when he dives into the water and missing Link, it looks more like a video game water, but those shots of like the ocean and the waves in Kubo look a lot more like a practical thing that they created. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. to um, see that. Yeah, and it's not to say that they don't digitally clean things up here and there uh to add some like motion blur or something like that too because it's you can't have motion blur when everything is an individual photograph but but that said uh, like when when they show i I noticed it 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 was shown really well in the like moments where you see the zombie with like the sort of hair that comes down like this mm -hmm. i was looking at the top Mm -hmm. of his head and you could see the like the frames change for where the the hair was when they changed into the went from frame to frame which i thought was a really cool that's how you know it's like not cgi and it is real you know what i mean like it's yeah and i'm glad that they didn't try to like clean that up digitally because it 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 adds to that realism of Uh, yeah i mean if it looks so much like cgi to the end to the end point of it just looking like cgi it's like well why would you not you need to have those creases and crimps and and weirdness there it's it's part of the charm of the medium right it's like the exactly it's like the fingerprints on uh on the old walls and grommet stuff yeah Mm -hmm. exactly interesting to see those move around so basically he says you are not alone you have to remember and grabs her hand and she turns back into a person and starts to remember her past norm sort of levels with her again and tells her that she doesn't need to make people suffer because there is good in the world. And she's basically just like, I just want my mommy, which was a real Mm -hmm. fucking blow. Like that hit me really hard. And they sort of sit down under the tree They they, in this moment, I think they're in like a, a place between time or the forest has reverted back to full foliage it was sort of it, there's parts in this movie where it's hard it starts becoming difficult to like realize what's real and what's sort of in the like between zones and that like yeah. that shot with the tree where they're sitting there and she she finally falls asleep and the curse is lifted like that whole little moment was very good we see the when she falls asleep the zombie's skin like floats off and they become yeah full ghosts yeah. again and they look like they're their old selves and the parents find him and give him props <laughs> they give him his, his big ups for for doing the you did thing. it you did it yeah and you know norman thanks neil which thanks which neil he thanks jesus he thanks his agent <laughs> thanks god yeah but that warmed my heart and then the most heartwarming moment is they're back at home. We get a shot that's reminiscent of the beginning. Um, 
Norm's watching a movie. The the grandma's in the back, and the dad walks in, and he's like, "Is grandma here? I know she's here, right?" And he kind of talks to her, kind of like the dog scene with with Neil earlier. Yeah, he uses Norman mm-hmm. as a medium. And I got uh, I got misty. I got my eyes went. Ugh. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I got real misty during the like when she's freaking out and he's just trying to get her attention. That was when I was falling apart emotionally. It's like, oh my god, this is so good. My heart. And that mm-hmm. is essentially the movie Paranorman. Um, a great use of ninety minutes. I think that you know probably could have been a little bit longer if it wasn't literally stop motion and i'm surprised that they were able to use this time so well so they they took it frame by frame if you will if you will yes if you guys uh don't have any additional notes we can get to our special actually here we go let's do this Let's do this and have a little co- quick conversation about this. If you had to pick one, well, what do you think the home alone of it all? Can someone please tell me what the home alone is? <laughs> I really got to know. When is the home alone of it all? What is the home alone of it all? That's the home alone of it all. So the idea of the home alone of it all is essentially uh, in the movie Home Alone, Kevin McAllister slaps down the blueprints. And when he slaps down the blueprints, he's gearing up to set a bunch of traps for people. And people went to see that movie to see that scene. I watched that sequence over and over. Steve has hypothesized that it's the sort of trailer moments, the scenes you're there to see. It sometimes is just literally the third act. And I'll make it real simple this week. Um, my home alone of it all is basically when he walks into that circle of headstones, the gravestones and tries to read the incantation and it all just kind of falls on its face. Do you guys have any, do you have like a different idea? Yeah. Mine is when the camera does that rotation of him when he's talking to no one and it turns and you can just see the town full of ghosts. That's my home alone of it all. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that, Steve. Cause uh, like the, for something called paranormal with like, like, uh, it it doesn't hold back from the get go of the paranormal stuff going on, the, that the fact that there is ghosts and zombies and there kind of is a cliff between the two, mm-hmm. to, or, or, or kind of a rift between the two. That like these aren't the exact same things, but they're both in this movie. There's just a lot that goes on. Mo- like most certainly, when you get to the circle of gravestones, that's when things the the the, the gas pedal is pushed. And, and that's when the pace picks up. You've been given all the information you need, and now the ride will start. You, you've, you've done your lineup to it, but you've kind of been peppered in with all this stuff along the way. I would almost say it's a combination of both where uh, they, they would show both those things in the trailer. They would, and, yeah. and you're there to see both those things. It's almost uh, like we would call one the home alone of it all and two the home alone of it all to Escape from New York. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> but not three, four, five, six, seven, or any of the other ones. No French Stewart, please. <laughs> Home Alone three, where he's just yeah. kind of his mom goes out for a couple hours, no, like yeah. three times. <laughs> yeah, the paranormal activity starts right out of the gate in this movie. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, um, but which, which do I say that just means there's 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 more in the buffet to enjoy. Excellent. Well, with that. 
It's time to play Guess the MPAA. Hello, my name is Paranorman Activities. And you are on the finest game show that is on this side of, hey, did you see this one? And that, of course, is the MPAA guessing game. Tim, you know the rules. However, I'm going to quickly try to explain them. I've never written this down, and I say it wrong every week. I'm going to give you the first two numbers of a five-digit number. The certificate number is, of course, the certificate number at the end of the credits that determines the number and the series of numbers that they give to each movie when they give it a, a rating from PG to rated R, whatever. Uh, that said, Tim, you know the rules. I'm going to go back and forth. Your first two numbers this week, and we're far into the future, the first two numbers this week are four seven. So please give me the three-digit number. That'll give us the five digits total. Uh, Tim, please go first. What are the three digits? Five, five, five. Higher. Steve. Six, six, six. <laughs> Lower, Tim. Um, five, nine, nine. Higher, Steve. Six twenty one. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's go. The number is <laughs> The number is 47694. Thank you for playing the MPAA guessing game. What? 694? MPAA, everyone. I said 666. You said lower. I said higher. Wow. I thought you said lower, too. It doesn't fucking matter. Oh, Cass is here. Jason, it's been a month. You've got this. 623 lies. Thanks. Thanks, Luna Divinaire. I think I said that right. Did I say that right? Um, that, of course, is the MPAA uh, guessing game. I don't fuck. Oh, guess the MPAA. <laughs> uh, it is now, of course, time for our... Oh, what's up, all seven viewers? What's up, people uh, in the place to be? Um, it is time for our... It is time for our... Why can't I ever... <laughs> For our, final for our final thoughts. It's time for our final thoughts. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, this is, of course, the final thoughts segment. Uh, essentially, we're going to give our final thoughts, uh, our in summation, if you will. And just like the beginning of the show, it is the duty of the guest to go first. To please that booty. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim, please give us your final thoughts and if you would like to give it some sort of rating whether it's serious or hilarious uh, please hit us with that now Well, uh, I'll say a lot of the movie for me was encapsulated in the moment uh, towards the first third after the um, <clears throat> the play goes awry and they're on the car ride home and the dad grounds Norman and uh, and everyone's frustrated and uh, and the mom explains that, like, it's it's not that he hates you or anything like that, is that he's scared. And Norman's just like, he shouldn't be scared of me at all. And he's like, it's not scared of you, just the situation. And, like, yeah, like, when you don't understand, you get scared. 
and you, and you end up making like bad decisions. There was a lot about that, that, that especially hit me and was uh, uh, where like the main thesis of the whole story is kind of uh, unveiled at that point of people being scared, not understanding uh, and, and reacting poorly and making poor decisions as a result of their going, you know, being informed by their emotions uh, in, in the wrong direction rather than holding on to what they should focus on, that this is somebody I care about and I should be informed by that first. And uh, that coupled with the bullying message of like, you know, bullying creates more bullies and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think this is like, uh, I, you know, if I were to have kids, it would be a required viewing kind of movie. Um, and because it, 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 it does speak well to that kind of um, message of a stronger sense of morals, of judging people by character rather than these surface level aesthetics that you may or may not understand. Uh, and, and to have such a nuanced topic, I always appreciate, especially when handled so creatively and thoughtfully. And, and Leica Studios, with though a very, very, very small library of, of movies uh, that they've made so far, hopefully a whole lot more, but they handle it very, very well. Uh, and I look forward to, as you guys continue to review the movies this month, the, the other things that you'll kind of unveil and discover and discuss with your other guests later on. Uh, so with that, I, I, I kind of almost don't want to give this a hilarious rating. I, I just want to give it a solid uh, five out of five because the incredible amount of creativity, craftsmanship, like to, to even think of like for the cameras that they use for this were actually just like more or less digital cameras that people would take on vacation kind of thing for, for taking photos uh, and, and making use of though somewhat simple by comparison to traditional filmmaking, but effectively used equipment to do all this in painstaking detail uh, and, and, and everything having so much thought and heart put into it that like you cannot help but be spellbound by these things. Uh, so it's always weird that it takes so much to get a crowd to come and watch this stuff. But once they do, I think most people get it in one way, shape or form, whether or not they can articulate exactly what they're experiencing, they're still experiencing from this stuff. And, and so, yeah, I give it a solid five out of five uh, just for that alone. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. That's that's your second five out of five. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Cast away in this so far. Yeah. Funky uh, Monkey Funk Four D <laughs> says in the chat. I've had this in Coraline on Blu-ray for a while now. Gotta gotta put them on the list. Mm -hmm. Go out and watch it. Uh, Steve, hit us with your final thought for the film Paranorman. Uh, this is. One of the few movies that I do own on Blu-ray, I don't have a, a massive collection, but I I do remember when it came out, I I went and bought it immediately because I was like, this movie, though it's not life-changing, it's definitely something that is worth having. Uh, not just seeing, but but having and ensuring that you can, can watch it again or show it to people. Um, I don't think a lot of people have seen this one. And, you know, as the heart of the, the show is, hey, did you see this one? I often find myself asking people, hey, have you seen Paranorman? And the answer is often no. And 
it makes me sad because the movie is great um i love almost everything about it there's not really anything that i can i can say is bad there's a couple of jokes that don't work for me but there's an overwhelming amount of jokes that do work for me and they work for me so well that i forget about the ones that don't um and that aside the comedy aside there are moments in this movie where i'm on the verge of weeping because my heart is so full and and happy or sad and devastated uh i would recommend everybody watch this no matter what your tastes are as uh a, a casual film viewer or, or a hardcore cinephile some sort of freaky movie freaky pervert, pervert. Yeah. yeah you'll probably like something about it and uh I give this movie two halves of a bisected dog and you can kiss the butt or you can kiss the mouth and it's the same taste, baby. <laughs> you get the rare laugh track final final thought. Uh, thank you, Steve. Um, it's real simple, guys. It's real simple. Here, Here's my final thought. Uh, excellent kids movie that teaches a lot of lessons about acceptance and fear and how to deal with negative emotions and bullying these are things anyone can benefit from so it would be a great family film with bits for the parents to enjoy as well as uh as well with bits for the parents to enjoy as well like the adult jokes and dark themes. Ultimately, it wouldn't really be a movie for me normally, paranormally, paranormally, but it was an interesting watch for sure. I give this movie a 3.8 out of 5. Do yourself a favor and check it out for the animation slash stop motion, if nothing else. I give this movie four zombies turning to ghosts and one turning to dust. I don't know what that means, but it's sick. But it's provocative. <laughs> That's what you guys both sound like. Without your CPAT machines. It's true. That's what I sound like when I snore. That's my word. Ask my wife. Um, this brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for everybody who watched tonight. If you are here now, please go and follow us on all social media. You can find us at, Hey, did you see this one? Like I said, at the top mm -hmm. of the show, you can basically find every episode of the show that we've done. Um, <clears throat> this will live forever on Twitch. However, tomorrow morning, I, uh, Friday morning, sorry, I always put up the YouTube version of the show. It's basically unedited, um, which I think is just the, the way. Um, I will say that Tim's episodes always perform well, so no pressure, Tim. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sitting at one of our highest organic numbers right now for Assault on Precinct 13, so don't be surprised if we ask you to be back constantly as we do. Uh, there's a Any, reason. Anytime. Anytime. There's a reason why you are going to be number seven very soon to be on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and with that. Hold on. And with that, I think I said fucking. And with that, um, there's one question I think needs to be asked. And as I said before, it is a uh, it, it is a thing we do around here to have the guest ask a particular question. So, Tim, do you have a question you'd like to ask? Well, yes. Uh, hey, did you see this one?
I kind of regret my rating. I don't like that I that I described the mouth of a dog and the butt of the dog as a flavor. <laughs> but I mean, generally speaking, dogs' mouths are pretty well the flavor of a dog's butt. That same dog's butt or another dog's butt. <laughs>